What's up, Bench Warmers? Welcome into episode 74 of the Far End of the Bench podcast with Jimmy Pilato and Nico Bryant. We got super wild card weekend to recap, plus the divisional round of the NFL playoffs coming up. NHL hockey to talk about. The Olympics are only a couple weeks away. So as we're recording this, got to get geared up for the 2022 Winter Olympics. So we got plenty of great things to talk about. As always, thank you guys for tuning in, checking us out wherever you're listening. Be sure to follow, leave a five-star rating and a review. Follow us on our social media at Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Far End of the Bench. Ring the notification bell. Check out the visual content we've been putting out. Uh, check out Bulla as he's giving you his picks. He, he does talk a lot of crap, especially on the Zoom podcast. It's fun because his, his head takes up the entire camera. So all that great stuff coming at you on this episode of 74 of the Far End of the Bench podcast. Uh, but we do have something to address. Nico, I should have blew an invert whistle when you said the Cowboys were going to make it to the Super Bowl. Like, I tried to, I tried to talk you out of it, but you were to go home. Why? Why did you let me bet on the Cowboys? I would be $200 richer. Why, Jimmy? Why do I even bet, even question betting on the Cowboys? God damn. All right. All right. We'll get, we'll get through this. Welcome back, bench warmers. You're going to get used to seeing my face on this segment, apparently. Nico uh, handed over this week's center of attention. He didn't have anything, and I didn't necessarily have anything either. I got a lot of my Bengals stuff out of the way, which you guys can listen if you're uh, as you're listening to this show. You can go back and check out my live reaction, both on our YouTube channel as well as on our feed here. But uh, I guess what I, I wanted to bring in the center of attention, a topic that we haven't really talked all that much about, and that's the MLB lockout. We mentioned that the MLB did have their lockout, didn't necessarily go over why or if there's been any progress made. And I got curious and I found some, uh, depending on your stance on things, good or bad news. Uh, the MLB and the MLBPA are currently at, uh, it's a strike, it's a lockout. Um, they're working to get their collective bargaining agreement revised. Is this something that they would have been working on for the past six months? Nope. There has not been a meeting except from the end of the season before December 2nd, when the lockout did start. Now, in the time since the lockout has gone on, there's been one meeting and there has not been any progress made. Now, there's questions as to whether or not the players are looking for more pay players are looking for different COVID regulations, the league. Uh, I know that the bottom portion of the leagues, the, the teams that don't have the payroll, like the Yankees and the Dodgers, they want to make more financial regulations, a thing in the new CBA. And obviously the teams that have the ability to make the pay more money, aren't going to do that, but there's obviously plenty to get into with this whole thing. And I'll talk a little bit more with Nico coming up. Uh, when you guys are listening here, but honestly, it, this has to get worked out and it has to get worked out quick. The MLB is dragging its feet. It's almost like the MLB is the only one that doesn't understand that they're rapidly losing fans. They're rapidly losing attention. And if it, they've been in a lockout for about eight months and nobody's really talked about it outside of MLB network, they're we're right in the middle of NFL playoffs. Hockey is getting more attention now with the ESPN deal and, Baseball is slowly falling behind, and now with it 
if they're not going to be playing any games, they're going to be falling behind even quicker and they just don't understand it. They're Manford does not understand that the league is a strike away from being probably lower than soccer. I think that we can start talking about the world series and the MLS championship in the same breath, because both generate about the same amount of revenue and attention. The fact that you are, have the possibility of not having your league take place and nobody's talked about it for six weeks. It says all, all that you need to know. That's my center of attention for this week. Let's go ahead. We'll get into episode 74 of the far end of the bench podcast with Jimmy Pilato and Nico Bryant. This episode of The Far End of the Bench with Jimmy Pilato and Nico Bryant is presented by our YouTube channel. Be sure to subscribe today, The Far End of the Bench on YouTube. Bring the notification bell for awesome visual content each and every week. Uh, Nico, we'll get into football. We obviously have plenty of football to talk about. I started things off in the center of attention talking about baseball. Uh, I This is a good question for somebody to ask somebody like you who's not necessarily even a baseball fan. Were you aware that there was a lockout going on? Or did you at least know that that was a thing? Yeah, I knew there was a lockout. I, okay. I, I I knew that that the players changed their their Twitter avatars to, to the blank the blank photo because none of the pictures on on the MLB website any of them have the players' pictures anymore because of all that. So yeah, I'm aware of it, and I'm aware of how badly the MLB runs their operations. So it's not news to me. Yeah. Well, it wouldn't come as a surprise to you that since December 2nd, when the lockout started, there has been no movement. Uh, ask me how many times that they've met the player, the MLBPA and the MLB. I would guess once or twice. Only once. And that meeting lasted, I think, a total of 90 minutes. Nothing was accomplished. And uh, yeah, we're still sitting here. I said in the at the end of the center of attention, I think we're about to start talking about the MLS championship and the World Series. Uh, same same significance because Baseball's already losing and hockey is picking up steam. And if you have the possibility of not having a season or a full season now, Manfred's going to make sure that this thing is absolutely totally tanked before he finally gets out. Just, you know, baseball in general, it wasn't a good baseball weekend. Cause did you see uh, the Mon farts promoted his son, uh, the owner yeah, of the Rockies yeah. Yeah, promoted his son to executive player. Of I, player I, I, I was all baseball out after the all-star game. I couldn't give less than two shits about everything else. You and you and everybody else. I just figured that you know we do have a portion of listeners that enjoy baseball. We have friends that enjoy baseball. Might not be baseball to enjoy this season, this season, or at least it's going to take a lot longer, and the players are going to get screwed again. It's it's honestly it's weird because uh, I think another one of the other main points of contention. All the teams that can't afford to pay big money are trying to. They want the CBA to include hefty financial regulations so like the yankees couldn't pay a guy 100 million dollars because the orioles couldn't pay him 100 million dollars that's another point of contention for the, the I, I mean that that make it a little bit more enjoyable i mean like that make it a little bit easier for teams not to just try to yank you or the dodgers themselves into winning something yeah and then the mets would have no idea what to do because they couldn't be paying these guys four years after they retire in the, the 30 million dollar 30-year deals like they do with bobby bonilla i just wanted to break up the, the football talk obviously uh that's going to be where a main point of, of this week's episode is going to go and we'll start i want to start with the game that's going on now because honestly it's surprising uh i'm pretty sure but we can pretty much say that it's wrapped up you still have a little bit more at stake in the game betting wise, but the Rams right now have a 99.9% winning percentage. According to ESPN, they're up 31 11 at the time of this recording on Monday night with seven one left in the fourth quarter. Uh, it's been, 
it's weird because the two games that we had this weekend that were division rivals playing for the third time in this year, uh, both have now been blowouts. Like one team just didn't show up and it was the team on the road. Um, this was incredible. Uh, Arizona forgot that OBJ was on the Rams roster and it just looked like Arizona wasn't ready to, ready to go from the jump. I, I think obviously you've been watching it from the beginning as well. Is this surprising to you? Did you think that this had a possibility of happening? What are you thinking? I thought that the, the, the Cardinals will put up a fight. <laughs> I, I didn't think that uh, midway through the fourth quarter that LBJ would have more passing yards than, than Odell Beckham Jr. Or, or that's, that LBJ would have more passing yards than Kyler Murray. I didn't think that was going to happen. Um, I... <laughs> I, I look. I picked the Rams. I, I, I believe I'm one up on you now, or three points ahead of you. But it doesn't matter because my Cowboys are out of the Super Bowl, anyways. But I, it's, it was, it was, it was blasphemy to me to think that the Rams weren't going to figure it out because you look at the talent they brought in. Yes, they're in total win now mode, but you add in the presence of of, of some veteran leadership and Super Bowl, players who have won a Super Bowl, like the Vaughn Millers. And like the OBJs who are hungry to go get a ring, and then you put it all together and you expect something to do well. The Rams are the Rams saw what the Bucks did last year and said, "Let's go do the exact same thing. Let's go win our first home game and then take two weeks off, go win on the road in Green Bay, or sorry, not Green Bay, Tampa Bay, and then possibly go beat Green Bay in, in the conference championship and then come right back home." They're motivated, and I'm gonna tell you right now, this defense. They are they are so damn scary all across the board. Their Rams defense is flying on all cylinders. And yes, I'm a Broncos fan, so I have bias towards this guy. But Von Miller addition just it makes Aaron Donald's life so much easier. When Von Miller playoff Vaughn shows up and he already wrecks havoc and has a sack within the first five minutes of the game, the offensive line already starts looking over to him. And you know what that means? Aaron Donald's getting free on some of these plays. And that is the recipe for disaster for opposing teams. If you look at what the Rams got looking forward to them, if Tristan Wirfs is not playing for the Bucs, expect Vaughn and Aaron Donald to have themselves a field day against that Bucs O-line, especially if Jensen is also banged up. So this Rams defense has been the big X factor. Stafford hasn't had to do much because they've just ran it down their throat and just done some wacky throws here and there. So it's not like he's – and that's exactly what they need. They it's just in, Cam Akers is a beast, too. Cam Akers yeah. coming off that Achilles injury is having a hell of a night. He is the one. Did you fresh watch legs. That, that fresh legs. With, yeah, fresh legs. Did you watch that play with Buda Baker? Did you see when Buda got knocked unconscious? And one of the scarier, obviously probably the scariest moment of the playoffs so far, one of the scarier concussions and, and moments uh, that I've been seeing for quite some time. But, I mean, that is one thing the Rams have been known as a soft team going back to like the Eric Dickerson days. And even in when they went to the Super Bowl and played the Patriots, they lost that game because they weren't hard nosed or tough enough. Their defense, I agree with you, is playing in a, in a manner that I have not seen them play before. Um, honestly, they're playing a lot like the San Francisco 49ers, which is funny because the last two weeks, all we've done is give Sean McVay shit for being Kyle Shanahan's uh, third, third or fourth son. I can't, I don't know what Kyle Shanahan's family looks like, but McVeigh gets a Christmas card from Kyle and has to refer to him as dad from uh, until he's able to beat him. But yeah, this is probably the best performance that they could have hoped for. And if their offense, if Stafford just doesn't revert to Detroit Stafford, they should be able to compete against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay do have some key injuries. We'll talk a little bit more about that matchup specifically, but just with the way that these two teams have played, that's those are the two best teams in the NFC for the divisional round, just based off of recency bias and how Tampa Bay and, and Los Angeles have played so far. 
He doesn't have he, they just the perfect recipe. You don't have to do anything stupid. You ha- you have a guy who had the triple crown in Cooper Cup, one of I think four players in NFL history to ever do it. You have a running back who is as fresh fresh legs coming in. You have a backup running back, Michelle, who had a great year all throughout. You add in OBJ, a guy that basically was was thrown to the dogs in, in Cleveland and basically rejuvenated his career. And you have a top three defense in the NFL. You don't have to do much. You don't. You, you, let, you let your defense make plays like they have been, and then you go from there. And also, a weapon people aren't talking about, Johnny fucking Hecker. God damn, what a leg. Best player in the league by far. That pinning on the that, that touchdown pick six was yeah. on him. That he has been the best like I like we don't get punters love at all because they're punters, but we're for the brand over here. Punters and are people that, too. And, and and the way he affects the game so much, that defense, if you pin the other team within the 10-yard line, that defense guarantees almost that they will not get past the other 50-yard line. Nine times out of ten, they will, the other team, if they start within their own 10-yard line, they won't do anything on that drive. And that makes life so much easier on your offense. It's a multifaceted game. And, right, and right now, the Rams, are obviously, there's recency bias. Of, we just watched the game. But they all facets of the game look like one of the teams to beat in the NFC. Yeah, they definitely look really good. Other Another team that looks really good and a team that looks really scary and a team that I've kept some receipts on because uh, I made some statements about them going into the season that not many people were, were on my side with, but Buffalo, the other divisional matchup that we saw in wildcard weekend, geez, no punts. That was the first time, I think, in, in – First inter- time in NFL history, no punts, no field goals, no four and outs. Nope. Uh, or no, no, you didn't even get to fourth down. Sorry. You didn't even touch fourth down. They only didn't score on the final drive of the game where they kneeled it out. That was the only time. Mitch went in there, took a few knees, and, and that was that. Well, I just – I did Mr. not expect Bisky that from a Patriots team. Mr. Trubisky has won a playoff game before the Bears have. That's all That's, I said. Yep, Mr. Trubisky has won a playoff game now before the Bears. But that just – I was not expecting Bill Belichick and the Patriots to come out there and look absolutely unprepared and then also to give up halfway through the game. It, it was – they, they're a team that even if they're down by 20 most of the time, they'll make come back and make a fight out of it. And they had absolutely nothing to give to the Bills that night. I, I feel like they probably wanted to get out of there a little bit sooner than they did, but Buffalo needed to work out some more frustration. That was a full 20-year – the 20 years that Brady worked Buffalo, that was all coming to fruition, and it all got taken out on New England on Saturday night. It was kind of beautiful to watch. As a fan of another franchise that was a long-suffering franchise, I can get behind the Bills and seeing those guys go nuts because this is the first time that all those people have seen it since uh, I think 94 was the last time. 93 or 94 was the last time that the Bills went to the Super Bowl and, and when they lost four in a row. So they are on a trajectory now where I'd say they're probably the team to beat in the AFC. Josh Allen walked into his home stadium, stared down Bill Belichick and the mighty Patriots and said, I'm your fucking dad. Uh, this is my division now. I, you guys had a cute run. You guys had a cute run there. Matt Jones, you did a cute job. But this is the big leagues. This is Buffalo Bills football. This is this is cold, hard New York weather. This is not nine-degree football. You ain't ready for this shit. Go back to Bama. Go back to your warm weather. You ain't ready. You ain't built for this. And Josh Allen said, I'm the man. I wear this literally thin-ass layer T-shirt underneath and said, I'm going to be fucking rolling, and the Bills are going to be the team to be in this division until Josh Allen retires. It's, it's, one, it's one of those things where 
Patriots, Patriots fans are like, oh, this is the year. This is our time. The Bills thought they had their one shot last year. <laughs> nope. Mac Jones, that's cute. You're real cute there, buddy. You're doing a great job. But no, no, no. Josh Allen is still the man, the myth, the legend over there. And the dude just said, I don't care what you're going to do in front of me. I will toss up your defense however I want. Yeah. Whether it be giving a ball to Dawson Knox, Emmanuel Sanders, Stephon Diggs, Singletary, Zach Moss, you go down the list. His offense is unreal. And talk about this defense. Micah Hyde, I don't know how he is in a Pro Bowl. Or that Pro Bowl fucking shit is the dumbest Pro thing Bowl, in the world Pro Bowl means absolutely nothing anymore. I know, but still. And then Jordan Poyer as well back there. Both those dudes, one of the, one of the best safety tandems in, the, in football by far. And they just came out and just absolutely rolling. The Bills right now. Like I said, I, 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 this is a tough team, man. This is That's, a damn tough team. It's this Sunday night matchup because they, they did make the Bills and, <laughs> and Chiefs Sunday night football. That is going to be, I honestly, that, that might go back. That's the first time that we have seen a matchup like the Cowboys and 49ers used to be, where they meet in the playoffs and whoever wins that game is going to win the Super Bowl. The Chiefs look pretty good, but Buffalo, I, I think their running game. It really helped them out because Josh Allen not only was able to run it himself, Devin Singletary started to show up a little bit too. And that defense, ever since they lost in that game to Buff- in Buffalo to New England and the reporters were taking shots at the defense, like does that make – basically just calling them, out to, calling them out to the carpet and saying, you guys suck, you guys lost that game, how did you feel? And Micah, Micah Hyatt and Jordan Poyer were both in that press conference, stood up and walked out and said, you guys are not ready to see what we're going to be doing down the stretch. And they have shown up ever since then. I don't think that they've lost since that game in New England, or maybe it was something close, but they are on a different level. And those two in the back end, plus Tremaine Edmonds, who's probably one of the fastest linebackers in football and their front seven, their, their front four aren't, aren't terrible either. This team Greg, is Greg Rousseau was, yeah, Greg Rousseau was one of the most underrated draft picks of this year's draft. The dude has played a great job outside the edge. He gets overlooked, obviously, about everything else in that defense. But We haven't even talked about Tred- Tredavious White, who's one of the best cornerbacks in the league, and he's he's an afterthought on that defense. He shuts down half the field most weeks of the season, and we didn't even have to mention his name because New England had absolutely nothing to give to Buffalo, just like how Philly had nothing to give to Tampa Bay. I mean, we should have known it was over. I'll give you this. Uh, you, I've not been a fan of Nick Sirianni. I've been very hard on him ever since the whole rock, paper, scissors over Zoom to show me how competitive you are. Uh, as an NFL head coach, one of the meetings last weekend was to get the team together and show clips from Rocky. Yeah. I'm surprised that that's something you love. Well, I would love it if it wasn't an NFL playoff game. Like, these guys are getting paid millions of dollars. I don't think that you need to really motivate them any more than a chance. If you win this game, you have a chance to go and play another NFL playoff game. Why do you need to show a bunch of grown-ass men making more money than you who probably care about winning the game more than you? You don't have to show them clips from Rocky. I get the technique. I get the tactic. That's a Little League coaching tactic. That's not a a multi-million dollar franchise, NFL franchise coaching tactic. That was just (sighs) – I'm I'm not going to give him as much crap because he did turn that team around and they wouldn't make the playoffs if if Nick Sirianni didn't acknowledge, hey, I'm not doing this right. Let's go ahead and switch things up. Yeah, they they wouldn't have made the playoffs if they didn't have the the easiest schedule in football either. That too. Yeah, they didn't. They played one and eight. They went one and eight against teams above 500. 
That's all you need to say. Like that, that's all you need to say. Uh, congrats, you got an easy schedule. Jalen Hurts played well. Defense was half a decent, but you did, you had no chance. That Buccaneers defense fully healthy is another animal too. Tampa, that was one of the first weeks Tampa's been really healthy on defense for a while. And Vita Vea made it's Jason Kelsey, who I think has been one of the better centers for a long time. Vita Vea made him look like a child going out there and playing against his dad. He had nothing to do. And Booger McFarland said it really well in his analysis of the game. He doesn't have the ass to block somebody like Vita Vea. Jason Kelsey is probably like 280 soaking wet most of the time. And Vita Vea walks onto the field at 330. And by the time second quarter rolls around, he's 350. And you have no clue how that happened. That's just, they are a scary, scary team. I don't know if their offense is going to hold up and Tristan Wirfs and Jensen struggling that's, that's, with injury. That's the big thing. Like they, they, They're going to start keying on Mike Evans and start keying on, on Gronk mm-hmm. and trying to make Brady beat you with everybody else, which, I mean, look, Brady's done in the past. It's not like this is anything new, but like you said, when you face Aaron Donald and Vaughn Miller, if Jensen is banged up like he was, and if you don't have your all-pro right tackle or right or left tackle, whatever position Wirfs is, I think he's the left, if he's not there, that's you're you're in trouble because the Eagles are getting pressure. Once Wirfs stepped out the, out of the game, they were getting pressure. Now put a Super Bowl MVP and and a three-time Defensive Player of the Year on that line, things get very very interesting. It's going to be, yeah, that game comes down to who's going to show up with the better mindset for for how this is going to be a, a brawl. That game has to be turned into a brawl, and, and we'll see who's more prepared to win that fight. Um, and speaking of coaches that weren't prepared, Dan Quinn. Uh, I, I'm not going to say yeah, much bad about yeah. Dan Quinn. Kellen it, it Moore. Was, it was Kellen Moore, Mike McCarthy. Kellen Moore, that Mike McCarthy, terrible. Dak Prescott. You guys are idiots. You guys have no idea what's going on. If that was Madden, I would have, like, I don't I don't even know. Uh, there's no situation. Mike McCarthy tried to, to stand behind it and said in his post-game press conference, the analytics guys told him, that's the perfect situation to run a quarterback draw. 14 seconds left, no timeouts. Let's go ahead, get down in the middle of the field, see if we can run up there and spike it. By the way, he spiked it with uh, zeros on the clock. There wasn't any – it was like zeros, and then it was another 100,000 100, that you could have counted before he actually spiked it and hit the turf. There was no way that game was going to have a second added onto it. So I don't want to hear about the referees knew they screwed it up and all that kind of stuff. No, that is – poor play calling, poor execution, and a team that has the worst leadership on one of the most talented rosters because you can't tell me a team with C.D. Lamb, Tony Pollard, Dak Prescott, uh, Zeke Elliott, all these guys on defense, Micah Parsons, Leighton Vander Esch, Marcus Lawrence, that team should be at least competing for a shot at the conference championship. They should not be getting beat by a sixth seed in the first round of the playoffs in the Super Wild Card weekend. That is not the team that Jerry Jones – honestly, because Jerry Jones, the general manager, put together a hell of a roster. Jerry Jones, the owner, hasn't hired a good coach since Barry Switzer was the last good coach that they hired, and it's been all downhill from there, and they still don't understand why it is, yet you have your fat-ass coach standing there in his post-game press conference like, oh, no, that was the right thing to do, calling a quarterback, quarterback draw with no timeouts left. Of course, that we're going to do that every time. Why, Jimmy? Why did you not convince me out of betting on the Cowboys? Why? I love that 49ers team. I love Juice Check. I love Kittle. I, I tried. love Shanahan. I told you this I, does I, smell like an I know. I, I love their GM and John Lynch. There's so much to love about this 49ers team. 
I had a five, I had a six leg parlay this weekend where I, I bet five bucks and I could have won 250. You want to know what fucked me? The Cowboys minus three. I had Bengals minus four and a half, Bills minus four and a half, uh, uh, Eagles and Buccaneers over 45 and a half, which got to it by that two point conversion by the Eagles. Cowboys minus three, Pittsburgh and Kansas City over 46, and Rams minus three and a half. And these motherfuckers just, oh, I, oh, I will never bet on Cowboys again until next season. But you either way, it's just ridiculous, man. How, look, if, Cal, if Jerry Jones was smart, he would fire McCarthy and, and hire Dan Quinn as that much of me, dude. That's keeping a buck. There, there's zero reason why McCarthy should be running that team. Dan Quinn, there's a reason why he is the number one on about half the teams that need a coach um, list. There's a reason why he's that. If they were smart, they'd get rid of McCarthy, promote promote uh, Dan Quinn, let Kellen Moore stay the offense coordinator, and promote the quarterback's coach to be the to, to be the O coordinator. Because that'd be the per, that'd be the or sorry sorry the, the one of the DB coaches as a D coordinator. That's the most logical thing, but yeah. they're not going to do that. I was hoping for my sanity that Mike McCarthy would have went and beat beat uh, beat Aaron Rodgers, so he would have had a little more extra juice to leave Green Bay. But man, I oh man, I, I, I look this 49ers team. They're they're they are the most well-rounded football team in the NFL outside of one position, and that yeah. one position almost cost them the game. Yeah, if I Trey was going to say, the, the 49ers did what they could to give that game away as well. The Cowboys are just better at losing losing games in bad situations. Jimmy G solely almost lost that game for them. Like, look, like look, that defense played really, really well. Juice Check and, and Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel have themselves a day. And, and right now, Jimmy G is going to be the death of this team. Death of this team. And I don't know if Trey Lance is going to be something. I don't. But if you're a, if you're a quarterback – like obviously the Russell Wilsons or the Aaron Rodgers, why the hell would you not go to Seattle or San Francisco? Look at what they got. Look, look, look at the town around you. If they really just miss your one quarterback, you have a coach that is one of the best offensive minded coaches in football, and you have a great defense and so many weapons to use. That's the hot spot. If Aaron Rodgers gets put in that offensive scheme, we're going to see the 49ers it's, break oh. the Broncos scoring record from 2013. It's going to be, it's going to be video game numbers every single week because when you add a Hall of Fame quarterback with a coach that can just scheme, I've never had, I've never seen a coach in the NFL just be able to out scheme everybody else. Anything that Kyle Shanahan calls has a, a play that's run off of it, and he knows how the defense is going to react when he runs the first play, so that he can run the second play in the third in the third quarter. That's there's no other way to put it other than he's just a coaching genius. Like he's taken all the lessons that he had from his dad, because let's be honest, Mike Shanahan was probably the first coach that could really out scheme everybody. And he's really just taken that and ran with it. I mean, there's, there's not a whole lot bad you could say about Kyle Shanahan other than the fact that he wasted a lot trying to get Jimmy G away from New York or New England, New England. Wow. And and they, they got rid of a lot to try to bring in Trey Lance. Yeah. Three first round picks is no joke. Now the, the one the one thing about this is, is is if you're Seattle, if you're Green Bay, and you like Trey Lance, there's your trade. There's your trade bait. There, there's the, there's the meat on the stick, because like I said I don't know if Trey Lance is going to be anything. He's very very raw, super raw. 
but this team is win now mode. You only you have you have George Kittle for only so long. You have you have prime Nick Boza, prime Debo Samuel only for so long. Are you willing to wait for Trey Lance to become something in two to three years, or would you rather go take a big swing on a big quarterback and be the team to beat in the NFC? Yeah, and honestly, I don't think that they would probably mind if they do do go out and get a <laughs> Russell Wilson or an Aaron Rodgers. They probably would be fine with having Lance. The only problem him. with those are in, in conference. Like that, that's the only problem they're running into. Which yeah. I don't, th- I don't think Russ would ever be traded to San Francisco. No, unless that's, he forces yeah, interdivision. There. No, there's not. There's yeah. no, no way that that's happening with Rodgers. Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, there's a slight chance, except yeah. if the 49ers go and beat Green Bay in the playoffs this year. Like they're they're not they're not trading him to the team that just beat them. I'll tell you that. So yeah, there's a there's also the the question as if Bosa Bosa and Fred Warner both came up a little bit lame at the end of the game. They weren't on the field uh, during that last drive, so those two aren't able to play. Those are two really big playmakers at important levels of the defense. Fred Warner, one of the best young linebackers in in the NFL and probably the best in the NFC outside of Michael Parsons and. Uh, Joey Bo- or yeah it's Nick Bosa Nick Bosa not being on there we saw what happened when he was out the entire season when he tore his ACL they'd have no pass rush without him and when he's on there the same thing that happened when Va- when Vaughn was in his prime you get all of the attention you could still beat all of the attention but then you can also open up things for the other guys and they called themselves the fearsome foursome when they made it back to the Super Bowl I don't think if they were as good as the actual fearsome foursome that year on the D-line they were able to do a lot of really good things that year so if they're able they're healthy san francisco has a chance to pull off another huge upset but it it's a tough draw we saw what happened last year when the rams were the underdog won in wild card weekend and then went to green bay in the divisional round and Devontae adams just danced all over jalen ramsey like it could happen again because San Francisco's DBs suck. San Francisco's DBs are not good. Yeah, you, you, you gotta you gotta hope that, that that Fred Warner. I mean, I'm pretty sure Fred Warner is playing, but if Nick Bowles is playing, you gotta hope that he gets pressure because Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is just gonna toy with these DBs, and Devontae Adams is gonna do whatever the hell he wants. The, the only question will be like, does Jimmy like San Francisco is gonna have to take take some? He's gonna have to do exactly what they did two years ago. <laughs> Run the damn ball and keep Rodgers off the field. Yeah, that's 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 how you beat this Packers team. You you keep twelve off the field. Same thing with beating Tampa Bay or Patrick Mahomes. You te- keep those quarterbacks off the field. You got a shot, and that's exactly what Shanahan's telling his team. He's like, let's work the whole forty seconds of the shot, or not the shot clock, the game clock, or not the fucking game clock, the the whatever clock, clock. you know, the play, play clock. clock. There you go. Wow, I, I've just named every single other play, but play clock. Take all forty seconds you can. Stop the ball one second left. Run the ball three times. Don't get the first down. Don't want a George Kittle pass. Don't want a juice check run. Get you first downs and work the clock to keep Aaron Rodgers off the field because, like I said, Rodgers, Rodgers is going to get his. It's more how much are you going to let him do that because there's no doubt that how much talent around this that around Jimmy G the 49ers have, it's if they can sustain it. They, yeah, they can't win in a shootout against Green Bay. Green Bay has too much uh, at this point that they're not built to win that kind of a game, but they are built to make it a very dirty, very mucky game. It sh- they should pull out like an old Army West Point uh, or Army versus Navy game plan and just run that and see if Green Bay can stop it because, honestly, that might be the best shot that they have. But I'm, I'm sure Kyle Shanahan has a little bit better game plan than I do going into that matchup. 
Um, and, and now we'll get to, I waited. I didn't put it first because I didn't want to uh, get too excited early on. The curse is over. It's, it's finally over. It's done. And I am just very, very excited to have that happen. And you have to be excited. The Raiders got knocked out of the playoffs again. Yeah, I, I, it would, it was just would have been better even if Kansas City would have lost. So I'm not mad. Like I said, there's a lot of drama. It, there's, look, the ref, the ref, the referees just suck. Let's keep it a buck. There's a reason why referees are retiring and going to do TV, TV appearances now and getting paid more for that because I, because although you, although you won fair square at the end of the game, that touchdown is a little bit iffy, and you know it is. And you know it is, and and, and it's and, and look, whether whether the DB stopped playing or not is without question. But if the whistle is is blown dead, the play needs to stop. Like it doesn't matter what happens at the end of it. That's like that's like calling that's like shooting the, the uh, three after the buzzer sounds because the play was blown dead, and and you continue to let the play after it. And look, it was it was it wasn't like it was fourth down, so the Bengals still may have scored there, but still like. The fact that the officiating has 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 been out as outrageous as he's been. I, you I don't know how the whistle gets blown in that situation in the first. Like the ball is in midair. If you're gonna call it, do it right as he throws it. Right? Like 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 don't don't hesitate and say, "Oh shit, I better blow the whistle mid throw." If he threw, if he with, blows the whistle as he as he uh, threw the ball in his hand. And, and they look back, it's like, no, it's, and then you can challenge it whether the play, play was blown dead at the wrong time. Then you can have another reset of a down. But you, the fact you do that and play, let that play call is just ridiculous. There, That guy has been – I can't think of his name right now, and I really don't want to give him any credit. That referee, <laughs> the head referee, has had issues in the playoffs before. This is not the first time because I don't know if you saw the report. The NFL came out and said that referee crew – is no longer doing playoff games for the rest of the season. And I was like, you probably shouldn't do playoff games for the rest of the season, and they shouldn't ref next season. They should be going to a class to understand, like, don't blow your whistle. Just don't. Have the thing on your fingers. and when you're Because I think what, what might have happened, he might have had the whistle in his mouth the entire time, and then when Joe Burrow made that amazing, awesome play and levitated on the sideline throwing a touchdown pass, then he probably just went, wow, and the whistle was still in his mouth, and it ended up blowing. But – there's only two options there. There's one, you let the play go, and then you you go back to replay, and if he actually did step out of bounds, that's you per, overturn that's, it. That's a perfect, or you never that's perfect t- officiating if you do that if you, if you do it that way. You let, all t- let it happen. Exactly, because all touchdowns are reviewable, or you blow the whistle right as he throws it and call it dead and reset the down. Like, there's only two options there. Not middle of the throw, say, oh, fuck, and then just let it go. Like, come on, man. It was it was not good, but I will say that the Raiders also got lucky on a few of them. That one, it should have been a roughing the passer call on Max Crosby, and they gave the Raiders a timeout when they should have also had 12 men on the field. I don't know if they really got it before the Bengals snapped the ball. There was It was not a well-officiated game for either side. I know that the Bengals benefited from that one call. Um, I, I'm not going to sit here and say that I don't agree with that Raiders fans should be upset about it, but also – you still had another three quarters to try and win that game. Like it wasn't like that was the final play. And then we all just had to run off the field. Not, it wasn't a Dallas situation where the referees make the final call and then they sprint out. They probably should have because 
Oh my gosh! I mean, if they were in if they were in Vegas, then if they were they in Vegas, gotten, it would have been a different. Well, no, sorry, not even Vegas because they don't care. Oh, they're in Oakland. <laughs> there would have there would have been riots on the field. We would have had a, like, uh, a South America stage. soccer where the the referee's head is on the stake at the beginning at the opening of the stadium. Like it wasn't good, but oh. I, I will say this: I am encouraged that they won it. I'm glad that the monkeys finally off their back, and they won it playing not a very good game. They did not. They should have won that game by a lot more than they did. The Raiders give I'll give credit to Derek Carr because he did what he could to try and make sure that they could win the game. But as bad as they've played, they got the win. They have a chance now to go up and play a really good Tennessee team. I will say that the Bengals have played really good teams really well this season. They kept it close with the Packers. They've kept it close with a lot of the other good teams that they've played. I'm not sitting here saying that they're going to the AFC championship because I, I even understand how ridiculous that sounds, but I don't feel as bad as I probably would have, you know, if things would have gone the other way, I don't feel as bad about the matchup this week as, as I would have last week. And by the way, I've said it the last few weeks. I, I know that you say you, you knew it after, at the beginning of the season, Joe Burrow is slowly itching himself towards an elite status of quarterback because some of those like, it's so weird for me to watch a game of my team and go, Oh, I trust the quarterback hundred percent. Like you probably had it with Peyton early on when he first got to Denver, or you can just sit back and go, all right, what's the it's offense going to yeah. do here? It still was Peyton no matter what, like, it, like that's, that's, that's such a not nice thing to have. And Burrow has etched himself as, as not only the guy in, in Cincinnati, but the guy in that division and the guy, one of, one of the guys to look out when it comes to playoff time for quarterbacks. Like, look at the young quarterbacks in, in the AFC. You got the Josh Allens, you got the Lamar Jacksons, you got the Joe Burrows. Like, that, then, then obviously you have the Patrick Mahomes. Like, those quarterbacks are on a different level for that, for that matter. And, and without them, like it, it all, all shit goes to the fan. There's one, there's no doubt about that. I, look, Joe Burrow is that guy, whether he has it in him to go into Tennessee and do that is, is a big question or not. I, like I said, th- this, this game against Tennessee, the one thing that, that, that really worries about worries me about your Bengals is, is the Trey Hendrickson factor, um, yeah. the Chuba Hubbard factor, um, that factor. If, if you don't, if you don't got those guys healthy, and then Logan Wilson in the middle, not healthy. Ooh, number 22 coming ahead, full head of steam. You yeah. got some problems. Well, <laughs> you, I, got some, bad... you got some problems. But I will say this. I do like, like the, the matchups that the Bengals receivers have yeah. against the corners. But that's I like if... the matchups that Tennessee's receivers have against our corners too. Trust this me, it, it goes yeah. both ways. But then again, you have Ryan Tannehill against against Joe Burrow, so that's what you got going for you. But the other old thing that that Tennessee's got going for them is is their is their pass rush with Simons um, and, and uh, uh, what's it starts with the uh, in, no not in Gakwe. Oh no, Ngakwe was on the Raiders. Oh, I can't think of the other. No, basically anybody way, yeah. who knows how to rush the passer against the Bengals could have a big pass rushing day because. Um, that offensive line every now and then, uh, I know that we'll, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about it, uh, probably coming up here, but Ryan Callahan did what he could to try and make sure that his offensive line wasn't put in a bad spot. He was trying to do everything he could where he didn't have to make them go one-on-one and a couple times he forgot and Joe Burrow was getting absolutely gunned for, but they, they did it. He did a good enough job calling plays and they didn't run the ball as well as they needed to. I think Joe Mixon can run on the Tennessee defense because their linebackers are a little bit suspect. They're, they're injured. Um, 
But yeah, Trey Hendrickson not being on the field, we noticed it even against the Raiders. When he went out with his concussion, there was no more pass rush. There was nothing else going on for that Cincinnati defense. But I think that them playing Tennessee is a lot better matchup than going into Kansas City. Yeah, you, because... you, didn't, want to, you didn't want to face the other two teams. If you had to pick one, it was this one. Yes. But, but you had to pick one, had to be, it was this one. But, I mean, this is the best shot you have at an AFC title um, appearance that you like you said, the Titans are that damn one would good be teams. since don't get me wrong, but yeah. yeah, don't get me wrong. Titans are a damn good football team, but out of the three and what the other two teams did last week, you dodged a bullet. The Kansas City went from a six nothing Steelers game at nine ten, seven yeah, nothing Steelers game at nine ten real time, and by ten forty five they were up twenty eight to seven. It was the quickest, I think, four touchdown perform like four quick. Just four touchdowns in NFL history. I think Patrick Mahomes, it was like 12 minutes and 58 seconds or something stupid amount of time allotted for them to score four touchdowns. Yeah, they broke the Steelers, their own record. The Steelers, had, the Steelers had no shot. No. no shot whatsoever. We all knew it. We all knew it. We thought it was cute that Big Ben got one more game, but it was a funeral. It was, it was, I didn't was, mind like, seeing that. I, I didn't want – I don't like Mahomes all that much. I don't really like the Chiefs, but I didn't mind seeing them bury Ben. Because now I, heard, I was listening to part of my take earlier, and I was like, you know – there could have been if Ben Roethlisberger had a little bit of a playoff run. There's that little bit of a creep in into his mind, like I could come back for another year. No, you can't. You can't. You really can't. You can't even take a five step drop. You're running fades, like trying to throw the ball deep, and you can only run a three step drop from under center, dude. You can't. Like if you come back, I'm sure Tomlin will cut your ass. That's you're not coming back on that team for sure. You, you can go ahead and sign a 10-day contract and retire a Steeler. If you, like, you, can, you can get paid one last time to have your jersey retired and all that, like one more time. Like That's all that matters. But the, the Steelers, that defense is very talented. That defense is what kept them in the game for the first half of the first quarter and, and made it interesting. But, yeah, no, the, this it, it was night and day. And then begs the question, the Chargers probably would have made it a game. Let's keep it a buck. They probably would have made it a game. And Justin Herbert maybe had that some magic up his sleeve, but that's here nor there. Chargers don't know how to tie. Yeah. No, and I don't want to hear about the seven, two matchups being that bad this year. They were, they, they were total mismatches, but we also have to remember this was the first year of the extended regular season and the teams that should have been in the playoffs all fell apart down the stretch. The Colts, uh, the Washington football team was in there for a second. The Saints were in there for a second and the Chargers. So like those teams playing against the Chiefs Colts, yeah, I mean, like probably it's... have a lot better game than what we ended up seeing with the nine, seven and one Steelers because they were just the last ones left. That was the AFC was like, oh, shit, we got to pick one of you guys. I guess I guess we'll take Big Ben and the Steelers. It just blows my mind that the Broncos couldn't have even figured out how to get into that last spot. Like, if that if that was the Steelers team that you played earlier in the year, you couldn't have beat them. You couldn't have uh, taken one away from the Raiders. Like, you couldn't, you couldn't have done some of these things that just shakes my head that they couldn't have snuck in. That's all you need to know with what that coaching staff did. Yeah, uh, I think that it was a successful. I enjoyed Super Wild Card Weekend. It was, I didn't think the name was as ridiculous now that it's the second year of it. Uh, points wise, you are winning by three. You have fifteen. I have twelve because we both missed missed the uh, 49er 
and Cowboy game. We both picked the Cowboys, and obviously that was the, the wrong pick like we talked about. Uh, I don't know why I did that. I, I at still, least you didn't put a future still, down that they were going to win the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, I wasn't that dumb. I just I, I just got too far ahead of myself, got too greedy with, with Aaron Rodgers. That's yeah, all. but the regular, season, the regular season got in your head a little bit, and, and now, oh. uh, yeah, it didn't work out quite that well. Um, let's let's talk about some of the other sports that we haven't really paid much attention to with the, the playoffs going on. Um, hockey, NHL season, the All-Star breaks under a month away now, which is kind of, unfortunately, with no Olympic break, that's going to be where the midway point of the season is and where we're going to start seeing if these teams can actually make it into um, the playoffs. But I have the top eight so far right now for the Eastern and Western Conference. Uh, the East top eight, Florida, Tampa are tied uh, with 57 points each, New York, number three right now the rangers um, then carolina toronto washington pittsburgh and boston would be uh, the top eight seeds. now i don't think that's how the playoffs are going to work because the nhl does divisional um, titles as well as, as the nfl but those are quote unquote the best teams in the eastern side of the nhl right now and i really think talk about a top heavy group even if you want to look at the Rangers, I wouldn't even say the Rangers are the third best team. They're only there because of the points that they've been able to rack up. It's a two team yeah. race. And, and good goaltending. I, I will say that I will say this. I, I I like Carolina a lot. I think Carolina is could could make a lot of noise. Yes, they're falling a little bit um last couple of games, but Carolina, I think I put the hat in the race. Florida is a little is a little hot and cold for me. They went on a really, really cold streak. And 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 obviously people aren't really realizing the factor that like they had their own quote unquote John Gruden situation with Joel Quenville, who was forced to step down after all the Blackhawks stuff came down. So that makes it a little more interesting when you get into the playoff picture for Florida. Yes, you have the Jumbo Joes of the world, but at the same time, the guy behind the bench has to know what he's doing. And if you got to have a brand new head coach as number one seed, that usually doesn't end very well in hockey, especially um, I, right now. I think it's Carolina or Tampa's to lose, obviously. Toronto will be Toronto <laughs> and, and, and in Pittsburgh right now, Pittsburgh getting Malkin back. Um, Jari has been playing really, really well for them. They could be some sleepers to creep up on some teams. Yeah. But they've had a couple but, hot streaks in their last 10 games. Pittsburgh but, is definitely a team that's scary. If you're going to talk about <laughs> non, non Florida, weird that Florida is the, the hockey capital of the yeah. East right now. Yeah, that's, that's, that's yeah, because because Canada doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. Well, it's, it's hilarious Edmonton, how bad like, the Canada teams are right now. It's Edmonton was was like I want to say a month in was the number one seed by far and away. Now they're not even like in the playoff picture. That's just they're six games back of the wild card. That's how oh, far man. they've fallen. Yeah. Then on the the Western Conference side, Colorado is now the sole number one of the Western Conference. They they have a three-point lead over Nashville. Uh, St. Louis, Vegas are the top four. Then it goes Minnesota, L.A., uh, Anaheim, and San Jose. So kind of interesting. That's the entire Western division from last year's realignment with the COVID and, and everything going on. But Nashville uh, is is a team that I wasn't necessarily expecting to be as good as they are. Obviously, we saw them play against the Avs recently. But um, I still I'm going to stand behind St. Louis, Vegas and Minnesota are the three teams out of anybody that the Avalanche could play in the playoffs that I would be very nervous about that entire series going into it. And uh, those are three teams that I think you could possibly get a couple game lead on in a series and they would be right there ready to come back and, and make things a, a game down the stretch. So the West is a little bit more competitive in my mind, I think. I, I would argue and say it's more competitive at the top. 
but the bottom is, is much, much, much worse. I don't know how the Kings are there. I don't know how San Jose is there. I, I legit have no idea. Mm-hmm. Anaheim has been really hot and cold, obviously, with Zegras and, and uh, Troy Terry and, and obviously having a great goaltender and John Gibson as well. They honestly expect them to make the playoffs. But uh, like it, it, in Nashville – the Soros has, has led that team wholeheartedly. Uh, he, he has stood on his neck. And right now I would say he's the best goalie in hockey, the way he's been playing. Um, obviously things change when it comes to playoff time. Right now you can't say anything different that he have uh, how good he's been. Um, Yossi too. Yeah, Yossi yeah. stepped up big time Yo- for them. And talk about a guy that we used to know really well. Matt Duchesne got the game winner against Colorado. Yeah, he's, yeah. A, he's had a career year. Like, this is one of his best years in the NHL since I want to say since 2011 Avs, maybe mm-hmm. 2012, right when we got Brian Wall. Like it's 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 one of those things with Nashville. And obviously, look, you got to take into account they do have four games over the Avs um, in terms of games played. So obviously, they may still drop a little bit. But yeah, they've been playing really really good hockey. The Avs are by far and away the hottest team in hockey. It's it's not even close. This is what worries me though is that getting hot at the right time. Kemper finally got his first shutout of the season um, the other night against Arizona. And then he but got I, ran today. He got injured today. Ran, ran, ran today. So this is where Frankie coming in. You got to hope that he, he get, doesn't get injured, first of all, and is able to keep himself on the ice because he, they have good cold center when that. Um, yeah. Vegas still worries me. Just uh, Actually, actually I, I don't know even more. I, I don't. Vegas because... would be worrisome when they all get healthy because right now yeah. they have Pacioretty and Eichel both not able to play. That that's that's the big question with them because I I don't trust Lanier. I don't trust him as much as I trust Sid Flurry. And not having Ryan Reeves as much as I fucking hate that guy hurts them. Like like Reeves, he has been a great pickup for New York. He's done a great job for them on the defensive side of the ice. But Vegas right now doesn't seem like they have that grit that they did last year or the year before, which makes me worrisome. The St. Louis, St. Louis, and and Minnesota right now. Minnesota's had a great goal team, too. I can't think of the goalie's name. That's one of the things that's really helped them out. But Kaprizov is just a fucking different animal. And yeah. I think maybe maybe they hit their stride a little too soon at the beginning of the year, uh, but they're still going to be in playoff contention to still be a team, team to look out for. Yeah, I kind of – I have the other question for, for this segment as we've been talking about the uh, – by the way, it's Cam Talbot is the goaltender for Minnesota. Who's, I'm pretty he, sure he's he had a really off. good playoff yeah, run last year, too, and, and now he's kind of stepped up and held down the net for the wild. But the avalanche we've talked about, they probably need to make some moves at the trade deadline. But given the fact that they are number one in the West right now, if they weren't able to make that big pickup that we want to, are they able to try and do something with the roster as is? I mean, if they're fully healthy, because right now they still have yet to be 110% fully healthy. I don't think that Byram still hasn't really been playing all that much. Um, and with Kemper going down today, obviously, hope I, I hope that he gets back sooner rather than later. He started to pick his game up after his little bit of a slump. Can this team do something without picking up another acquisition at the trade deadline? I, I mean, I, I would like to think so, but at the same time, I know Joe's got something up his sleeve. I think he'll, I think he'll make a minor move. I don't know if it's going to be the big swing on a goalie that I would love because I still don't trust Kemper, although he's played really well. I. I'd still see Carey Price halfway available in Montreal, and if he's fun, if he's healthy, and he's playing. That's, There's, that's, that's a good different. thing. I'm just the, saying the Avalanche could pretty much bring in anybody, like anybody that's uh, obviously Carey Price is a different level, but they can bring in like a middle of the road go, road goaltender like Darcy Kemper used to be, and playing in behind the Avalanche might not be that bad for him. 
they might be able to play a little bit over their head. And, and Joe just may look at it and be like, man, we're making these average goaltenders. Like, look what Grubar is doing at Seattle. He has not played well at all. We're making these middle-of-the-road goaltenders look like like a be Vezina Trophy finals. That's basically it. And, and imagine we get a damn good goalie in the back there. That's where I think, like, like I said, obviously I, I am high on goalies, and I think goalies are, are the – are, are a quarterback to football, a starting pitcher in baseball, and and, and the the guy. If you don't have that, you're fucked for the playoffs. Um, but like I said, I don't. I just I don't. I don't know. I I think that with Kemper, he's he's had great games, but at the same time, he can't stay on the ice. He just can't. And Joe may be done with it. Like I'm done circling goalies. I'm done. I'm done. Like I'm done not penciling in one guy for every single game. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm done wavering over whether uh we need to maybe Frankie starts tonight in the playoffs because he's had a better couple games. I don't know. He's maybe done with that. And say we just need to take a swing because 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 Kale um Kale's not getting any younger, neither is Mac, neither is Landy, neither is Miko, and neither, and neither is Byram. And, and this is gonna be your last swing. season with Kadri too. Like all of your really top talent, you're if you don't make a run out of it this year, you wasted a, a golden opportunity in your window because I don't think that they're going to be able to retain Nazem Kadri for what he's going to pull in uh, on the open market. He's, he's, going, he's going to get paid. By the way, Avalanche fans, I don't know if the voting is still open, but if it is, be sure to go vote for Nazem Kadri. He'd be the third Avalanche representative in the All-Star game, and he's played well enough so far in the he regular season. Been. Yeah, he should be in it, but – uh, the, the just whole, hope that he doesn't get suspended in the playoffs. Yeah, Don't yeah. The suspended. whole the whole kudo factor of of him, like, there's a reason why Marshawn and uh, Kazri aren't in the All Star game is because they're disliked. <laughs> Let's keep it buck. They're not very they're not very fan friendly for an All Star game. It's like putting Ron Test in the NBA All Star game. Guys had a good year, but do I really want to have a fight in the All Star game? No. But Kazri is is number top five in points, and I think that's the first time in Angel. I mean, obviously. Look, all-star voting in every single sport is just wacky. But I think it may be one of the first times that a guy is top five in points and not going to make the team. Um, but, like, and the whole – the whole team, every team gets a representative. What what does Arizona have for, for, for the – for, like, to, to provide to the all-star game? Nothing. Phil Kessel? <laughs> Nothing. Phil Kessel isn't even playing in half uh, a minute. Well, like, they, they don't have Garland? anything. Connor yeah, Garland? Like, I, like it's it's I don't know. Can it be if they've played on the team before? Because then they could throw out Halsey. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 just ridiculous. Yeah, uh, I think that I want to give a shout out to Francis too because he gloved Kirill Kaprizov to win the shootout today against Minnesota, and uh, that guy is three and zero in shootouts. So he might not. I don't know if I want him starting. I don't want him to be the starter, but I would trust him as the guy coming off the bench. He's a good relief pitcher, kind of like how Pittsburgh when they had Flurry and they also had Murray. Because a lot of a lot of people don't remember that first cup run where Sid finally got his first one. Murray and Flurry pretty much split the net. I, I don't know. First of all, uh, not the Crosby's, first cup. It was the 2016 yeah, for, 2017 the most, rec- the most recent cup yeah. team. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that they they have something, but I do agree with you that Joe is gonna. He's not going to just sit on his Joe, hands. Joe doesn't sit on his hands. That's, yeah. that's, that's all you need to know. He doesn't. They're so. going to get somebody somebody back. Um, real quickly, the NBA, the, I want to have a little bit of discussion about the power rankings um, because the top five had a little bit of movement. Phoenix is still number one. Memphis jumped up from five to two. Um, and they are, are my question for, the, for that is, are, is Memphis past their play-in team status? Are they no yes. longer the <laughs> six, seven team? Are they legitimately a top team? Yes, I, I would say so because John Moran is 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 that good of a player. 
He's, he's doing unbelievable things right now. And the one person that, like, everyone forgot about the last couple of years that is fully healthy this year is Triple J. Jaron Jackson Jr., a guy out of Michigan State who was a top five pick and has had, had some injuries to start the season and hasn't really got the play time he's needed to. And then you throw in a guy like Steven Adams in the middle. Like, that, 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 that team is very, very well coached and very, very well rounded. And they got some swagger. They got, they got, some, they got some no BS attitude that they're just going to come on everyone's next. Those married names, LeBron James, they're going to talk shit to you and, and whoop your ass on the court at the same time. Like, that team is just a it, – it's, it's – <laughs> Memphis, Memphis, Memphis is known obviously for the grit grind of the Zebo and, and and Mike Conley and Marcus Sol days, but this they they always have this attitude of we're blue collar, you're not, you're gifted everything, and we're not, and that's exactly how this team plays. And they are, like I said, they I don't know if they'll be able to do anything in playoffs. If they're if right now, I think they're at four right now, or maybe they're a three seed right now. They're they're right on the cusp of of having to have to face the Denver Nuggets in the playoffs or a team like Dallas in the playoffs, and I still don't know if I trust them yet. But they're a team you have to look out for. They are currently the four seed, a half game behind Utah, uh, four and a half back from the uh, the Gold number one seed. Thing. Yeah, uh, uh, behind uh, Phoenix, uh, who is the number one seed in the West. The uh, Golden State, though. They are starting to – they dropped from number one to down to number three. They have some injuries going on. Wise, I believe it's Wiseman. Is Wiseman the one that doesn't even play there? Like you, I said one guy that's yeah. named last week, and you said he doesn't even play there anymore. They just had a major injury happen to a guy, not one of their stars, but a guy that was playing a lot of minutes for them. Uh, and behind them, they don't really have a lot of depth. That's what I'm noticing from this Golden State team. Are the Warriors going to struggle in the postseason because they just don't have guys that can come off the bench if their stars go down? Draymond has been hurt and he's out for two weeks. It looks like he's getting reevaluated in two or three weeks, but James Wiseman hasn't even touched the floor this year. He's, he's that rookie number two overall draft pick rookie from last year. But like I said, Steph has been banged up. It seems been very, very banged up and they were having to rely their offense off of Clay Thompson, who has only played for two weeks now after having two years off or two years because of injury. And then Andrew Wiggins, which is nothing, nothing to nothing to gripe about. So when they get healthy, obviously they're they're going to be deadly. They just have to maintain that one to two slot. Phoenix is just on a different level right now. That's why they're playing so well. But Golden State, they're 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 so hot and cold, obviously, because if you don't if you don't have if you don't have uh, Steph and Draymond playing, this team looks like a G League team outside of Clay Thompson. If you have all of them playing, it's a team that you don't want to look at. The other night they lost them. They lost by 30 to Milwaukee yeah. and, and they, they have so many weapons and so many different guys that can do so many different things, but they're so young on the back end. Like I said, like I said before, Moody, Kaminga, Wiseman, are some of the young guys who obviously Wiseman's injured, but you get those young guys some playoff experience and they're the quote unquote Steph Curry and Clay Thompson to the old, to the 2014 Warriors where they're the young guys that get the runs in and that they get some legs underneath them and playoff experience. Then it could just, then it gets dangerous. Uh, yeah, and I say all of this, I watched the, the ending of their game against Chicago a couple of days ago, and for as banged up as they were, they beat one of the top hot teams in the East in Chicago. I know Levine was injured, not playing that night, but I think they still carry a little bit of that mental weight when they go around and play some of these other teams that you know might not have been 
where they've been in the past. It's still the Golden State Warriors. They still went 73 and 9. Was the is that the record? Yeah, 73 yeah, and 9. Uh, a few years ago, no championship doesn't mean a thing if you don't have a ring, but it does mean something. Like when you go up and play those top franchises, Patriots had it for a long time too. There were a few Patriots teams that were not very talented, but they were the New England Patriots. So anybody who went in there to play Belichick and Brady struggled. And I think that Golden State unfortunately still has a little bit of that, that they can rely on whether or not they're healthy. It doesn't really matter. That's Golden State, Steve Kerr, that that's a damn good. That's a well-run franchise. Anything Absolutely. that you want to say, they're a well-run franchise, especially they just got a brand new arena um, built for them. So they're, they're making money hand over fist as well. They're, yeah, they're, they're a different animal. Warriors are all, like I said, we, we thought last year maybe they would take that they would be back to where they were. We thought the year before maybe they they'd take a layoff because of Clay being injured, whatever. And this year they're finally clicking on all cylinders. And if Clay Thompson can get to three quarters the player he was, then this team like like look everything's going to go through Phoenix. But if the Warriors are right are right there, that's a team you don't want to face. Uh, real quickly, let's do bench warmer of the week before we take a little bit of a break. We'll move some uh, some of the other topics that I wanted to talk about around. Um, but bench warmer of the week, who do you got for for this week? My bench warmer of the week, perfect segue. Just talking about basketball, it's the Los Angeles. Lakers. These motherfuckers came into Denver. All those fans wearing yellow saying Lakers for life. Let's go Lakers. Get their shit kicked by 37 points and having Bones Highland drop 28 on their head where LeBron has to tweet out, don't worry Lakers fans, we're going to get it right. Motherfucking Bones Highland and Jokic who doesn't play the fourth quarter had a triple double on your ass. And didn't even play the fourth quarter. But I love I hate the Lakers more than anything. And yes, there's football on Saturday, but I was at that Nuggets game, and there's nothing I love more than beating the Lakers. There's nothing. There, like, like there, there's few highs in sports I get. And one of them is beating the Lakers when you're the Denver Nuggets. And, and the way they came into there, it was hilarious. All of them left early, all those fans left early. Nuggets fans all combined together, giving them the na-na, na-na-na. Leaving early. It was great to see. I love seeing the Lakers in turmoil. Is I, I hate that team. I hate that franchise with a burning passion. And to see them all, there's a Lakers, there's a Lakers, like it's not scalper, but a dude with merchandise outside the stadium. I you know, I, I was having myself a little bit of fun. I was like, hey, is everything 40% off because of that 40, 40 fucking point loss you just took? And I had so many heads looking, turn around, and I just couldn't stop laughing. You, this is the worst defeat the Lakers have ever had in Denver, by far and away, and the worst loss of LeBron's career. And it happened in Denver, Colorado. Kick rocks, Lakers. You got to warn me the next time you do that, because the last time you got into a major, well, at least last time I know that you got into a major fight, I remember being one of the guys that were pulling you out from the, the gangs that were stomping you. They couldn't say shit to me. That's they true. Got, oh, we got rings. Rings. Oh, I don't give a fuck. LeBron, your team How is old trash. were you when half of those rings were won? Yeah, I, just, I, I mean, outside the one two years ago. But we don't that's, that was a bubble I, ring. That's the one. Mickey and Mouse that's a ring. Disney Mickey championship. Mouse ring. Yeah. Mickey, Mickey Mouse ring. So that's all I'm going to say. Mickey Mouse yeah. ring. There you go. Uh, my bench warmer <laughs> of the week. Go from one hated franchise to another. Uh, Mike McCarthy, Kellen Moore, and Dak Prescott. Nowhere in football history would anybody tell you that a quarterback draw when you can't stop the clock 
And for a quarterback to go down in the middle of the field, at least if he would have been fighting towards the sidelines, it would have made more sense. But obviously the 49ers were not going to let him get to the sidelines. So he decided to go down in the middle of the field. Now I, I love Dak Prescott. I love what he stands for. I don't hate the guy as a player, but that was probably one of the dumbest decisions that I've, other than the Raiders guy stepping out of bounds and then picking up the, not stepping out of bounds and picking up the ball on the kickoff. This is the dumbest play of the 2022 season. I can remember. And there were some dumb ones. That's for sure. <laughs> Just give the ref the ball. Like you, you had, <laughs> let's give it a buck. You had eight seconds. One Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, four Mississippi, five Mississippi. It happens six, so much faster than you seven, think. Seven Mississippi, eight Mississippi. Give the ball to the referee. Give him the ball. I'm serious. Give him the ball. And you, there's a good shot. You sh- you would have gotten that, that ball off. Like, and they probably could have given you a second back on the clock if it did, if they did blow it dead, because they went back and reviewed it. Well, with the way everything happened and the referee not having the ball, he had to move it three times to get the right spot. Yeah, like like whenever your receiver or your you like Claypool fucking did this a few weeks ago, you don't celebrate. You pick the ball up, find the referee, give him the ball. You don't give the ball to center. You don't give the ball to Dak Prescott. You give you don't put the ball down because that wastes more time. You go find the referee. You'll find the sideline judge. Give him the ball so you can put it down. And you go. It was a bad bad look. Um, honestly makes sense with the people they have running that franchise and the fact that that franchise is what it is. The Dallas Cowboys, hopefully you, everybody who got the Super Bowl 56 champion tattoo for the Dallas Cowboys, luckily all you have to do to change it to 57 next year is just add a, another Roman numeral one. See if your artist can work that into whatever design. That and then you when have. you get when you get to fifty nine, you're kind of fucked. And when so. you get to fifty nine, yeah, well, we got two more years. Any, like, yeah. there's a lot of people walking around like, please, please win it in the next two years because I could just add another line. I don't have to do anything else. But I don't think it's happening because that was as close as that was as good as the Cowboys have been since probably the Des Bryant was it a catch was it not a catch team and that wasn't a good way to end it. I don't think that. I think they're going to take that into the offseason, and if Mike McCarthy is still going to be the head coach, that team is going to fumble so hard next year. The only saving grace that they have is they play in the NFC East. It's the only saving grace that they have. Uh, you'll, be in a, you'll be in the playoffs next year, but – Unfortunately. Man. You might be the seven seed getting trounced by the two seed, but, hey, you'll be there. You'll be there. Um, no, I, I think that it was – it's incredible. I can't believe that we had to talk about that on a, on a sports podcast that we talk about professional sports. It's not even a high school mistake. Uh, let's go ahead. We'll take a little bit of a break here. When we come back, we got uh, some other things to talk about before we get into divisional games for the NFL playoffs. That's coming up here on episode 74 of the Far End of Bench podcast with Jimmy Plato and Nico Bryant. <whistles> Welcome back into episode 74 of the Far End of the Bench podcast with Jimmy Plato and Nico Bryant. We uh, talked a lot about the games from last week. Uh, we didn't necessarily look at the matchups for this week, but we have uh, one, a couple other things to get to before we make, we already have our picks out, but before we talk about the divisional games and we'll start with most dominant team of the week. Uh, I think that there was a very obvious choice and I try not to go with the obvious choice, making these uh, outlines. So I went with Tampa Bay, mainly the defense because what they were doing to a, a very talented offensive line with Philadelphia. I know they're missing a couple of their starters, but they were still able to have one of the top five rushing offenses in the NFL with as bad of a roster as they do have in Philadelphia. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive line said, very cool, very nice. We're going to destroy you. We're going to make sure that Jalen Hurts has to throw. And we all know Jalen Hurts can't throw the ball 40 times in a game. It just ain't going to work. So Tampa Bay, especially the Buccaneers defense, 
Uh, if they're going to make it any to where they got last year, they did it behind their defense. It's going to have to be their defense again if they want to go on a run. But Tampa looked really strong, so they're my most dominant team of the week. My, my most dominant team of the week because the team that just absolutely rolled over, and, and, and it is the most dominating performance in NFL history, not just playoff history, but regular season history as the Buffalo Bills not, 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 get, not, getting, not having the number four up on the, on, the, on the down marker. When you had the ball is the most insane thing I've ever seen. Not once. When the game was even out of reach, did you not score? Like, what? Like, your backups what? went in and pitched a shutout, or your backups went in and kept that streak alive. Your backups like, were playing for a good portion of that game. And uh, yeah, just crazy. Just crazy. Patriots fans, hopefully, you guys can deal with this because honestly, nobody's going to feel bad for you. And you probably don't even really feel all that bad yourself. You have six championships in the last 20 years. Yeah. Uh, but we can talk about how you got absolutely waxed on uh, primetime television on Saturday night. And I'm going to continue to do that because that makes me happy. Uh, let's talk about these divisional games. Obviously, we now know that the Rams beat the Cardinals, so they will be going to Tampa Bay. But we'll start in the AFC again, the first game of the weekend. I, I don't know why. It's, it's Cincinnati and Tennessee, two of the biggest NFL markets ever. Why wouldn't you put them in, on primetime? No, they get the Saturday afternoon slot. Um, the Bengals' first win, first playoff win in 31 years. They have their team. They have their off. Uh, they have their quarterback. I think they have their coach. Hopefully they stay, hold on to their offensive coordinator. But uh, Tractor Cito has been sitting on his couch, not necessarily sitting on his couch, getting himself sure, yeah. warmed up for this playoff run for the last six weeks. The dude, the surgery that he had was like a three-week recovery. And they put him on IR. They're like, "Don't we'll make the playoffs. You come back for the playoffs, and we'll just go ahead and steamroll everybody. It's, it's nerve-wracking. But honestly, like we said earlier on in the episode, if they were playing the Bills or the Chiefs, I would say that this team has absolutely no shot. That is, the fact that it's the Titans, I think it's going to be a game. I, uh, I, I think it would be a game, too. I think it may be one of the best games. Of, uh, I don't know about best game of the weekend, but it would be a really, really good game. And um, like I said, I, I – I had this match. I had all the AFC matchups correct, although my AFC matchups are completely fucked. So I still, I'm gonna stand by my pick of Tennessee. Um, I like I said, I, Cincinnati. It's a good story. I just, at, and at, at some point, things start kicking in. Whether whether it be whether whether it be uh, the 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 proxy of, of Super Bowl Super Bowl uh, recognition, whether it be Mike Vrabel his appearances with the Patriots in the Super Bowl, whether it be the the Titans know how knowing how to win football games and get to the NFC or the AFC excuse me AFC Championship, whether it be Derrick Henry being completely fresh, I I just I I, I just don't I, 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 I right now in my opinion Bengals win this game. You got you got to put up twenty five plus. Yeah, I, I think you don't have no shot if you don't put up twenty five plus points because because the, what the Titans are going to do to you is they're going to run down your throat and they're and then they're and they're going to figure and they're going to keep your opposing the opposing team off the field. That's how they beat Baltimore. That's how they beat New England when Brady was there. That's how they almost beat Kansas City. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this is this is how they do things. And right now, Bengals are held under twenty points. I'm guaranteeing a loss because you know what Derrick Henry and what AJ Brown and people are forgetting Julio Jones getting back in the playoffs again. Big X factor there as well. It, you're 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 relying too much on your defense at that point, and I think that's just a recipe for disaster, especially with Hendrickson out um, and and Sam Hubbard um, um, uh, banged up. 
I have a couple points on this game. Taylor Lewan went from a pretty difficult afternoon to probably one of the easiest that he's going to have this entire playoff run. If Trey Hendrickson, I don't know if he has the ability to get cleared before the game or not with the concussion protocols, the way every all the rules have changed. Um, so Taylor Lewan has to be sitting really, really pretty with the fact that he doesn't have to go up against a guy who's one of the better pass rushers, top five in sacks in the league, by the way, with Trey, for Trey Hendrickson. Um, the, the other thing about this game is that if the Bengals are going to win it, if they're going to have a chance to win it, they're going to have to go in there and just not understand that they're not supposed to be there. Like that's how the upsets normally happen. The one team's in the game and they know that or everybody knows that they shouldn't, but it's almost like the team was never told you guys suck. You guys shouldn't be here. Why are you playing against the number one seed? Like, why'd you even show up? You're not going to win this game. And then the Bengals are going to have to just ignore that completely. And your offense cannot have a drive where they go three and out. Because you're right, the Tennessee Titans are going to drain all of the clock. The Tennessee Titans might give you five offensive series, and if they give you five offensive series, it has to be 35 points scored probably, or or there's no way that you're going to going to come out of it. I, I'm going to stick with my pick of the Titans because I think that they'll – Just trying I, to put I, bad juju. You're just trying bad juju. No, just, no, no. What you doing, Jimbo? <laughs> I, I've, gotten my, I've got my Super Bowl. That's the first playoff win that I've ever seen the Bengals have in my lifetime. So I got my Super Bowl for now. I'll wait. I'm not going to get greedy and say that I need it all right now. Uh, but, no, I do think that I'm going to stick with my pick of the Titans. I I'm, don't think it would be smart to switch, and I'm not going to – I want to win one of the pickings, damn it. I don't want to lose regular and postseason. Uh, the other game, Saturday night, San Francisco, the sixth seed, taking on the number one seed in the NFC, the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers off of pretty much a week and a half of rest because he didn't play the second half against the Lions. Um, and Matt LaFleur, I, he was on, pardon my take, last week. Very, very confident. Like, doesn't even think that there's a chance the Packers are not going to make it to the NFC Championship now, Kyle Shanahan has had some things to say about this in the past. Everybody remembers two years ago in the NFC Championship when the 49ers didn't throw and still dominated the Packers. Um, this is a different 49er team than that than that season was. Remember, that game was in San Francisco because the 49ers were the number one seed in the NFC. Uh, I think that the Packers, <clears throat> it could be dangerous, but I don't think that the Packers are going to allow it to be dangerous. The Packers are talented enough. This shouldn't be that close of a game. This should be one of the, oh, yeah, the Packers won 35 to 14, and it really wasn't even that close. That was a garbage time touchdown in the end. Your mic's up. Danny, you got to come through for, 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 your, uh, for your hometown. Got to come through for your hometown. You got you to do, do it for Denver, baby. Do it for Denver. Be Green Bay and Green Bay. Do it for Denver, baby. But I'm still not picking them. I, I want them to win. I do. I need the Packers to lose somehow. I don't care what it is. I need them to lose somewhere in, in a heartbreaking fashion. I don't care how it happens, but I need them to lose somehow. Whether it be this one, the, the, I don't want them to go to the Super Bowl. That's the last thing I needed them to do. I need them to lose either this week or next week. And I don't care how it happens, but I need it to happen. And I'm hoping good old Kyle Shanahan does one for his hometown and, and, and can pull it out of his ass. But I, uh, I'm i still picking Green Bay. I, I I like 49ers team a lot. But this is this is, we're talking about Jimmy G. And we're talking about Zadarius Smith. And we're talking about Jairus – or not Jairus. We're, t- we're talking about all that those halfway decent corners. But you're, more importantly, you're talking about Aaron Rodgers against your DPs. There isn't a soul – out there, if you don't have Nick Boza, Aaron Rodgers is going to sit there, uh, grill some steaks, 
you know, go make some pancakes over here. Have Stay, some have whiskey. Have Do some, some whiskey. ayahuasca. Uh, go, go call Pat McAfee. Get, get, go live on the Pat McAfee show. Do his weekly segment. Then, and then go throw the ball. <laughs> All in the matter of you trying to get to the quarterback. Because people are forgetting good old reliable Bakhtiari is back. Mm-hmm. And he and he got to play week 17, get his Lakers underneath him, had two full weeks of practice going into this matchup. And you can't tell me whoever the pass rusher for 49ers have has has, has against Bakhtiari, who's one of the best left tackles in football. No, thank you. I hope they lose somehow, but but I, I, I'm going to Packers here. I, I sticking with the Packers also just I'm going to stick up for Aaron Rodgers here and I understand exactly why he wants out of Green Bay because imagine this you have Bakhtiari coming back who is when he's healthy an all pro left tackle but then you also kept your all pro center that you had Corey Lindsley who you let walk in free agency now I know he ended the season hurt but that was when he was playing in Los Angeles for the Chargers if he was playing for the Packers he hasn't he wouldn't have played when he did get hurt so that's uh, Aaron Rodgers deserves to be upset with the organization. And I think it, yes, they, he does, Jimmy. Yes, he does. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you he go. does, Jimmy. Keep, uh, keep, keep, keep juicing that sauce. Keep cooking, baby. I need all that. Yeah, there you go. Uh, if you had Corey Lindsley, I think that you have an even better chance of making it to the NFC championship. But we're both on the Packers in that one. Next game up on Sunday, 49, or excuse me, the Rams going to Tampa Bay to take on the Bucks. Uh, Tristan Wirfs was in a walking boot at the end of yesterday's game. It's questionable as to whether or not he will be able to play. Luckily, they did get the full week. They didn't have to play Saturday and turn around and play in six days. So there's that that's going for them. But this one does get a little bit interesting, especially when we just factor in what we saw the Rams do to the team that was the last undefeated team in the NFL, Uh, whether they should have been or not, whether you think Cliff Kingsbury could have kept it going or not. They did just dominate what was seen as one of the better teams in the NFC, uh, and the Los Angeles Rams look scary doing it. So I'm interested to see if you change where you think this pick is going to go, if you think that there might be an upset here, or if you're going to stick with the GOAT and that defense, because Tampa Bay's defense is still probably one of the better ones left in the entire playoff tournaments. What do you think about this one? Man, people are forgetting. People are forgetting. What happened last time on the face? Tom Brady in the playoffs, two sacks, interception. And you're telling me he gets to lick his chops again. Playoff Vaughn is different. Donald is different. I'm going to stick with my guns and stick with the upset, even though it's not the Cowboys. I'm going to go with the Rams here. I don't, like I said, I don't, I, I don't trust the Buccaneers as much as I did last year. I don't because they're so badly banged up. I think. You throw Jalen Ramsey over there on on Mike Evans, and you you throw I don't even know Leonard Floyd on, on Gronkowski. You make things a little bit more tougher for 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 the Bucks. You slow down that running game that is having Le'Veon Bell get touches. I mean, like 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 this offense is not what it, as high powered as it was when obviously Antonio Brown was there. As much as we hate him, as much as Chris Godwin was there, as much as Leonard Fournette when he was healthy and Rojo when he was healthy, it's not the same offense. And this defense is still badly banged up. It's whether or not staff. It's whether or not they have the same game plan they did against the Cardinals. Be smart with the football. And let your defense carry you. If you don't turn the ball over and run the ball with, with great cam makers and get OBJ and, and Cooper cup in space, then you're going to have great success. But that's if he, he, that's if that old line in front of 
Matt Stafford can do that for him against this tough pass rush of Shaq Barrett and JPP and Dompkins Sue and Vita Vea. That's that's it. So I, I I don't know why, but I'm going with the Rams here still. I I think it's a very very solid football team still. And like I said, I think. I would love to see Vaughn get another ring. I would love to see it. And, and, and the Rams are, I would love, I would love, I don't, I don't want to see Brady again. There you go. I want to see Vaughn win. I don't want to see Brady win again. That's all you need to hear. If the Rams are smart, if the Rams are smart, they will do exactly what the Eagles were trying to do and then just expect that they have better talent because that's, that's truly what you should do if you're playing against the Bucks. they, they sh- you should try and run the ball. You should try and be very good at controlling the clock, keep Brady off of the field. And with the talent that you have, and if OBJ is going to continue to play like he did tonight and actually be a, that's probably the best game that OBJ has had since he made that one-handed catch against Dallas, because honestly, there hasn't been much since then. Uh, other this than that first, first playoff win, by the way, second yeah. only playoff game. Uh, it's been, I mean, I think the last time before tonight was that yacht picture with New York. Uh, was the last time that he was actually in the playoffs. And he's seeming to do what Antonio Brown did last year on that playoff run for the Bucks, where he's a headache all season, doesn't do anything in the regular season, but he shows up in the playoff run and he had a touchdown, which I was like, why? I thought that they were going to run some combination with Higby and Cup, just like uh, I Greasy said on Monday Night Football. And they threw the one-on-one fade to OBJ. And I was like, what? And OBJ caught it? Like, I think I, the, the person that came out the worst out of tonight's game was OBJ's dad, because what content is he going to make now? There's no, no shit that you could talk about OBJ because he had a good game and they're going to give him the ball apparently in the playoffs. So OBJ's dad, I'm sorry, your YouTube page is probably going to suffer, uh, unfortunately, but no, I think that Tampa Bay, I'm going to stick with Tampa Bay. I think their defense is good enough to get this one done. I don't think Los Angeles is going to play two perfect games in a row and Andrew Whitworth is 40 years old playing left tackle. He was almost already injured tonight against Arizona. That's a different defensive line that he's playing next week in Tampa. So I'm sticking with the Bucks. You got the, the Rams in that one. Last game, probably the most competitive game, hopefully, that we'll see up until the championships. Uh, number three seed Buffalo going to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs, both coming off of just absolute dominating wins. Uh, different ways that they did it, but who who do you like, Josh Allen or yeah, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes to come out the winner in this one. I am happy with any team in the AFC representing the Super Bowl outside of the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't care if it's Buffalo. I don't care if it's Tennessee. I don't care if it's Cincinnati. I just don't want Kansas City there because I don't want to watch the third straight Super Bowl with these motherfuckers in the game. So don't do that to me. So I'm going with the Buffalo Bills here because I am all over the Josh Allen hype train. I am like I am I am I am so excited for him and I want the Bills to win. And to think the Bill the Chiefs gets to host this game because of fucking Albert Ogleboogenum and, and no fan don't know how to block Melvin Ingram. And yep. other than that, this will be the Bills home game. So god damn it. But I'm going with the Bills. Look what happened. Was it week three? Maybe week four? Whatever week it was, this these this DB room is is the most washed in football. The DBs for Chiefs are just horrendous. Try just try to put Danny Sorensen on Stephon Diggs over the top and see what happens. Try to, to, even to, Emmanuel to, Sanders. Daniel Sorensen couldn't cover East. Holy, couldn't, couldn't cover couldn't Emmanuel hit. either couldn't hold Emmanuel's dick. So this Buffalo Bills team is everything and it wants so much more. 
and they have the pass rushers and Rousseau and Ed Oliver to get to Mahomes. You got to keep him in the pocket, and you have Micah Hyde and Jordan Puller off the top that are going to king down on Travis Kelsey. And Tyreek Hill, who didn't have as big of his game, you throw Tredavious White on him. There's your answer to beat the Chiefs. I'm going the Bills here. I think the Bills – I don't think it's going to be a rollover like that was week three or whatever it was. I'm starting at football, but I, I, I'm going to Bills here because I trust what they do. And the Chiefs, I think I think they're too high on themselves. I think they are. They 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 the look, the Steelers were the worst team in the playoffs this year. I will wholeheartedly say they're worse than the Eagles. I, and they got they got in because of the last second field goal. So that's all I'm gonna say. And and the fact that that the, they, they got cakewalk into the second round just pisses me off. And the Bills had to actually Go be a team that was a very, very solid team throughout the whole year and whoop on them. No, thank you. Give me the Bills. I will say uh, the Chiefs still have yet to beat a somewhat competent offense. All of their wins that they've had uh, this regular season, Cleveland, Philadelphia, Washington, the Giants, the Packers. Okay, the Packers, that was a 13 Now Jordan, With Jordan Love. With Jordan yep, Love. With Jordan Love. Uh, Vegas, Dallas, Denver, Vegas again. They beat L.A. in the second matchup in overtime. Pittsburgh at the end of the season lost to Cincinnati, who was a good offense, and then beat Denver by four. Like we said, if Melvin, Melvin Ingram doesn't make that play, the Chiefs are going to Buffalo. So I still don't think that the Chiefs have proven themselves. Like we were saying, oh, this defense always starts off as the worst and then goes to the first. They didn't go to the first. They weren't the most talented defense in football like they had been when they won the Super Bowl and then getting to the Super Bowl last year. They just got to play the softest-ass schedule in the middle of the season, and this is a very, very good offense. Now, the one thing I will say against Buffalo, it is very difficult to go out there. And like, like I said, you took out 20 years of frustration all in one game. Can you follow that? Like, did you leave any points for the rest of the playoffs? I hope you did. I really hope you did. I think that we're, this game is going to see a lot of points because, you know, the Chiefs offense is really good. As good as the Bills defense is, I think the Chiefs offense will be able to score some points. But the Chiefs defense, like you said, won't be able to stop Josh Allen or Devin Singletary or Emmanuel Sanders or Stephon Diggs uh, or Ta- Croft. By, by the way, they still have Cole Beasley the whitest rapper of all time, Cole Beasley. He still plays slot receiver for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, and they're my – nobody circles wagons like the Buffalo Bills. They're my Super Bowl champion. I'm sticking with it because I felt super confident. Like I said, I already went and got my receipts from before the season even started on Buffalo. So I hope they continue want, to make me right. I want, for next week's episode, I want to see who my prediction was because I have no idea. Yeah. I want to say it might have been Bills and Rams. I don't know. I think it probably could have. This was – I had that one center of attention where I did all my hot takes of the season. And I, I clipped around where – because I had, like – I had the one that I posted where the, I said the Bengals would win seven games that I missed, but I was okay with missing that one because they ended up winning 11. So that, that one's fine. In the middle, I said Micah Parsons was going to have a career trajectory like uh, Jamal Adams, where he wasn't going to be on the team that was, that he was drafted by. Um, so I'm not feeling too confident about that one. I conveniently left that one out until I told you guys again, and I have something set for the bills. Hopefully, uh, if they're able to make me seem right before we move on from the NFL here and get into the rest of our segments, I did want to bring up, uh, the Broncos head coaching search because here's, here's a couple of reasons. They have a huge list. They have 11 confirmed candidates that they're trying to get interviews with and, like we said, uh, the, the last two coaching searches that they've had, it was a whole bunch of guys like Mike Munchak. You want Mike Munchak to be your head coach? 
This list, I'll, I'll read off the names here. Eric Bieniemy, Brian Callahan, Jonathan Gannon, Luke Getze, Aaron Glenn, Nathaniel Hackett, Gerard Mayo, Kellen Moore, Kevin O'Connell, and Dan Quinn. Those are all guys that I could get behind being head coaches in the NFL. There's guys that they've interviewed before that I was like, you have no business even applying for this job. And I can't, other than maybe like Getsy a little bit, Getsy's mainly just because he's the quarterback coach for Aaron Rodgers, I, I'm pretty and, sure. And they're also, I think the male also one was out of left field. That's more on the side factor. They're trying to see if they want to be coordinators. Yeah, I think I think Mayo is going to – because Mayo is just the inside linebackers coach in New England right now. He's not even a coordinator, so I don't think that they're going to – That's because Bill, Bill's son is the D coordinator, yeah. and I don't think that Bill will fire his own son. So they, Mayo may walk to get a D coordinator job. The one other – the name that I wasn't expecting that kind of surprised me was Aaron Glenn, the D coordinator for Detroit. And that one, it makes sense because he was a player for a long time and they need somebody to be able to motivate their team. Cause that was, you could tell every single week under Vic Fangio, they were just like, yeah, I'm not, I don't want to play for grandpa. Like I don't want to play for the grumpy old man. Let me go play for somebody who's actually been in my shoes before. Um, so I think that one's interesting. The one I'll tell you the one guy I don't want you to hire and I want everybody else to stay away from in the NFL, please nobody take Brian Callahan for at least another, another season. Do not take my offensive coordinator away right when my offense is starting to get its feet underneath it. That'd be like taking a newborn baby giraffe two days away from his mama. And he's like, okay, you learned to walk. Go, go run. Like that, I can't have that happen. But I will say, not even as a Broncos fan, it's just somebody who loves football and, and is paying attention to the situation. I don't necessarily have a guy on that list that I wouldn't be at least more excited about than the coaches that they've had the last two times. Yeah, every person on that list, I mean, is 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 a is a person that that'd be of interest. The Dan Quinn hire is he's probably the favorite right now to be the Denver Broncos coach. Uh, I wouldn't hate that at all because the guy obviously did a lot with with so little in Atlanta. He turned that Cowboys defense, who was bottom five in the league, into a top five defense. Although they struggled at the end of the year in the playoffs, still top five defense. And then the, obviously the Nathaniel Hackett's. I think right now, if you if you if you want to take a swing at, at the big fish in the pond, and you think you're a quarterback coach away, why not? Like what? Like I don't see why not. And Hackett would be a just fine coach to a young guy that is hungry too. It's not necessarily just the Aaron Rodgers factor. It's not like well we're gonna hire this guy because he's friends with such and such. Like look the one the one the one thing that reminds me of all this was uh, uh who who was it it, it I want to say it was it was the Lakers with Luke Walton Luke Walton had played against LeBron and LeBron had he he had he, he and he was in that same draft class as LeBron so there's familiarity with them obviously that was an absolute disaster they moved on from him brought in a, a veteran head coach they want to ship so let's see if you want if you if you want to go take a big swing. Uh, big fish, go get a coach that is, is young enough and hungry enough at the same time, but that can also win you football games, not lose you football games is another thing, and I can put together a coaching staff that will be good enough. Yeah, and uh, I guess the other interesting thing, and it's been interesting for the last few off seasons, and it's starting to maybe smell a little bit fishy, the fact that Eric Bieniemy has been the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs on this entire run and is just now, I think that this is the first offseason where he's actually going on other interviews for other teams. And it's still not even like, I'm pretty sure he got, there's eight teams that fired their coach. I'm sure he got probably 14 calls from other teams that are like on the fence 
with their head coaches. Like, would you be available to come if we fired our, if we opened up our head coaching position? And it's starting to seem like the enemy had a conversation with Andy Reid. And he's like, listen, I'm fat. I'm old. I'm not going to be on the sidelines for too much longer. You already work with these guys. Let's keep you around and we'll make sure that, uh, you're the head coach when I finally hang up my whistle and the enemy gets to then take over the keys to the the Ferrari instead of going and starting in a place like uh, Minnesota where you have Kirk Cousins instead of Patrick Mahomes. It's starting to seem what it kind of feels like. It's definitely enticing. It's definitely like the enemy wants to be around Patrick Mahomes for his career. I mean, why wouldn't you? The guy will get you paid like no other. (laughs) He will will make you money and make you one of the richest coaches of all time. Um, I think the one team, obviously I have bias here again, but the one team that could determine way is Denver because of his Colorado ties. But then you're running to the factor of, playing against your division going to your individual team and that honestly is is a bigger thing for losing a coach than gaining a coach it's not that it's not the enemy can fix a scheme better uh, better against opposing offense than than uh, than the chiefs can oppose a scheme that they've never seen against an opposing offense like it'd be a completely different story but i i don't know i wouldn't mind him here i would he's more i think he was I think I said it last week. He's one of my top three guys. It was it was Bienemy. Actually, top four guys. I mean, maybe he wasn't there. I had Bienemy. I had I had Flores, and I had uh, Nathaniel Hackett, and obviously Dan Quinn get thrown into that race too. But I wouldn't mind any of those four. The rest of the candidates, okay, cute, but they're not as cute to me. Yeah, I think the rest of them are just to kind of fill like like and like you said. I think uh, a Getzy, a Gannon. Um, possibly even if you don't hire Nathaniel Hackett as your head coach, he could still be available for a coordinator position because whatever head coach you bring in, you're going to have to also, they haven't done this in the last two head coaching hires that they've done. You got to give the coach the ability to get his coaching staff in place. They've always gifted the coach, the coordinators, and that's not a recipe. That's for not good at all, yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting. Obviously there's still some time and, and nothing's really been, there's no front runner. There's not been a report that I've seen, at least, where the, the guy has not left the Broncos facility like uh, one of the old hostage situations. But uh, whoever they pick, hopefully it does turn things around because Denver is a more fun place to live when the Broncos are playing well. And it hasn't been that fun the last six years between Vance and, and Fangio. And even the last year of Kubiak wasn't all that great. It's been a rough time. And Uh, I'd like to see them get good again. Uh, Let's go ahead. We'll get into what's brewing and kind of wrap up with our segments here in episode 74 of the far end of the bench uh, presented by our friends at the high Alpine brewing company out in Gunnison, Colorado. If you're in that area, it's a great place to go get some nice cold beer, watch some sports, nice pizza as well. Obviously with basketball, you can go to the bars weekly and see during the weeknights and see games and not have to wait till the weekend like football. But what do you have? What what story that caught your eye for what's brewing? My what's brewing, the, the, the story I've been waiting two weeks to talk about because obviously we didn't have time to last week because we had a lot of other stuff to talk about. But man, oh man, we are 18 days as we're talking about this, but 16 days away from the Winter Olympics happening. And boy, oh boy, have they kicked into full gear. First of all, Sean White qualified this past weekend for his fifth Olympics, the goddamn goat of snowboarding will be in his fifth Olympics. I don't know how good of a shot he does because guys like Scotty, not Scotty Miller, Scotty, uh, Scotty Brown is, is one of the favorites right now to take gold. The guy who he beat to get gold in 2018, one of the favorites, um, 
in, in, in that half pipe for snowboarding. Other than that, the men's and women's, women's hockey teams have been announced. The women's hockey team, I'm expecting another great run from them. They got a lot of great ladies that are from 2018 Olympics that won gold, um, whether it be the the uh, the O'Hares, or not the O'Hares, sorry, the, the oh my God, oh, the Palumba, oh, not Columbus. One of them dated a football guy uh, that played for the Broncos, and I'm totally spacing on his name, but I'm sorry. I, I totally fucked up the names there. But the women's hockey team is locked and loaded with a lot of great talent. And then you have the men's hockey team that's headlined by the number six overall draft pick in last year's draft, Jake Sanderson from uh, from uh, Seattle, who was drafted to Seattle Kraken's first ever player. Um, it's a bunch of young collegiate guys and a few um, – and a few, a few guys, obviously. That we play didn't get any of our predictions show. right. <laughs> not, not a shot. I wish we did. But, but the, 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 there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of great names on that team. I don't know if this team has the juice. Obviously, when you face a, uh, when you face a Russian team that has all professional players on it, like look, the KHL is the second best hockey league in, in the world. There's no doubt about that. And what they do in Russia, and basically it's an all-star team from that league. <laughs> it makes it a little more difficult. So that should be interesting. And then I want to talk about this story because it, it it's gone under the radar on a lot of news stories and i think this needs to be talked about the number one speed skater for women in in uh in the 500 meter who is the number one ranked individual in the world best time best everything slipped and fell and basically didn't qualify for the olympics in that, in that event and she wouldn't go at all well, the girl that won gave up her spot. The girl that Brittany Rowe gave up her spot in the 500-meter race. She was a person that, qual- that qualified for the Olympics in that race. She gave up her spot to have that number one individual or ha- to have, sorry, Aaron Jackson. Aaron Jackson, who is the number one ranked in the 500 meters, compete at the Olympics on that stage. But don't worry, Brittany Rowe is competing in different. She did qualify in two other divisions. So she decided, I'm not going to the Olympics without my friend. Um, and, and she did a real class act. And now the number one speed skater in the world, the 500 meter. Um, Aaron Jackson gets to go to the Olympics because of the kind heart of Brittany Rowe. So I, I want to touch on that story. Absolutely incredible. That's what the Olympics is all about. It's all about those three letters on your chest and the red, white, and blue um, and the and the end all be all. And I could not wait. 16 days seems way too long away. But yes, the Super Bowl will be on at the same time, but I will be watching the Olympics all Super Bowl morning because of the time difference and then the Super Bowl and then not going to sleep because they'll be watching the Olympics after it. So so it's perfect. I can't wait for it. Who needs to sleep when the Olympics are on? We said we sleep in May after March Madness is over because we got Super Bowl and then playoffs and all that kind of stuff. Uh, by the way, I think you were thinking of Kendall Coyne Schofield. Yeah, she is back on the team. And then also there's a Jesse Comfer. I don't know if there's any relation to JT Comfer. I don't. I don't know. Um, but there are. I mean, there's some names. Hillary Knight is Hillary a Knight's kind of remember. the big one. She, yeah. she was Amanda the, Kessel think, also is back on the team. I'm pretty sure she's Phil Kessel's uh, sister too. Mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm not, I don't, don't fact check me on that, but I think I'm most positive it is. It would make sense. She's also one of the older players on the team. Uh, so Hillary, I think Hillary Knight takes the cake as the oldest on the women's U.S. team. And she, she was born she, in 1989. 
I'm pretty sure she wears the C too, because she was she was the stud that um, that gold medal game in 2018. She was the person that w- hit the game winning uh, gold shootout over Canada. So yeah, she's also one of the only. There's a few players on this team that's been uh, members of both silver medal teams in 2010, 2014, and 2018. And Hillary Knight is one of them. Uh, and Schofield was on the last two teams, so they do have a lot of returners. The U.S. women's hockey that doesn't get a lot of attention. They are very damn good. Like they are it, damn it's good, fun yeah. to they're fun to watch the, those those girls or women. Excuse me. Uh, my what's brewing? It's back to football because that's pretty much all I, I'm paying attention to right now. Uh, but it is interesting. Mike Mayock got fired today as the GM of the, the Las Vegas Raiders. Three years into his contract, I can't remember if he signed a ten year deal like they signed Gruden to. Um, it was interesting when they signed him in the first place because he was such a, a media personality. I didn't necessarily think that he would want to go to the front offices. Uh, but in his three years, Mayock amassed a record of 25 and 24, drafted two first round picks that are one is no longer on the team because he had weapons in his Instagram in jail. videos. The other one's in jail. Um, and the coach that got that hired him is no longer on the team. This really like they probably had the the numbers to back up firing him, but this kind of seemed like the Raiders are going, they're trying to wash their hands with everything Gruden touched. Like anything that Gruden brought into the franchise, they're like, yeah, let's get that out here. We don't need that here. Which makes you think their car's future, yep. right? It makes you think because I wouldn't mind Carr in Denver. I'm just, I'm just. Saying. There's a lot of teams that shouldn't mind Derek mind. Carr at quarterback. Derek Carr yeah. is not the issue in, in Las Vegas. It's Dude, that's everything right, yeah. And, yeah, and the leadership that he would bring into the locker room too. Honestly, I think it's going to be the reason why they don't hire Rich Basicchio like they should. They, he should yeah. he should definitely get another year. How else do you justify what he was able to do in this hell hole that was the Las Vegas Raiders season? They were in the playoffs. Should have won a play or could have won a playoff game. Not should have won because they, they should have won that game. They they had a fighting chance, unlike some of the other teams that were in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They had a fighting chance in the playoff game. That's all you could ask for. And your interim coach did all that and so much more, whether it be the notes after the game to each individual player. Like, obviously, that may have been a little bit staged, a little bit corny, but still, like, that just shows the character he has. And it's if the Raiders move on from him, that guy will find a job as quick as you'll ever see. Half of coaching is to be able to relate to, relate to your players, yeah. and he was able to do that easily. And he could very easily – like if they hired him as the head coach, you can go out and get your offensive and defensive coordinators that you want and basically put the staff underneath him. So he's just there to call timeouts, throw a challenge flag if he's told to, not actually doing any of the game planning because he has enough stuff to worry about. That's The best head coaches delegate very well. The best head coaches if, have good people around them. And if you want to talk about, like, obviously the Broncos – like having terrible drafts where they missed out on quarterbacks. The Raiders, if they have drafted decently the last three years, going back to Claylin Farrell at number four three years ago, who was a special teams guy, who doesn't even get minutes. Then you go to last year with Ruggs and, and Arnett, both not on the team anymore. And then this year with Leatherwood, when you had a right tackle, and then you had to move Leatherwood to right guard because of how bad he was. Like, if they would have hit, they would have been smart with their draft picks three years in a row, the, Chief, the, the Raiders could be on a completely different trajectory right now. Completely it, different. It makes a, when you bring, put it that way, it makes total sense why Mike Mayock was fired. And he definitely shouldn't have had that job in the first place with what he was. Well, I mean, I mean, Gruden did. had a lot of say in the draft. Let's keep it a buck. But yeah, I mean, still. He does. I mean, it kind of falls back on him because being the GM. But yeah, Gruden yeah. was a, 
a control freak. Uh, beats of the week. We were back to beats of the week. Uh, you, you said bullet hit on, on his parlay, bull, bull, right? Bull, bull, I'm almost positive bullet hit because I had money in my account. I had Bengals minus four and a half. I think I, I had the over – the over I took in the Green Bay or in the uh, uh, actually no it was it was it was Buccaneers spread which I hit it was Bengals spread and I want to say it was the Bill, it was the Bills Bengals and Bucks spread yeah all and all those spreads hit so yep. Bula's two for two, two or two for three two for three <laughs> not bad not bad better winning percentage than we have but we still have uh, we'll still give you guys our picks for to make you some money and I'll start uh, I I like San Francisco plus five and a half this weekend I think. Uh, what they were able to do, if they're not, if they don't make those mistakes down the stretch, they win that game easily. We're not even talking about Dak Prescott on the quarterback sneak. They had a false start where they were going to convert the fourth and inches down there and keep the clock and, and keep the ball and run the clock out for the rest of the game. So if they're able to take out those little mistakes that Dallas goaded them into, the San Francisco team could play a very solid game plan, run the ball a lot, keep the keep Aaron Rodgers on the sidelines. They can make this thing close and. and Losing by three points to Green Bay, like a Green Bay Packers team that's shown they're just happy winning. They don't need to blow anybody out, put any style points up. I like San Francisco giving that many points, five and a half uh, at minus 110. Not bad, not bad. My first one, I am all over the Josh Allen hype chain. Yes, they weren't my Super Bowl tape, but I'm going Bills to win the Super Bowl plus 500. I, I, think, I think if they get past – uh, Kansas City this weekend, which I, I believe they will. I think they I think they're a team to beat. I think they are. I think I think the Packers are the other team on the other side that you look at. They're like, I think this team could give them a run for the money, but I don't know if the Titans or I don't know if the Bengals could hold up to them. And the only other problem they may run into is their other friendly foe that they faced for 20 years, and that's Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. So that's where we're making trouble. But if you like the Bills plus 500 odds, it's the fourth. Best odds to win the Super Bowl with the uh, Packers number one, Chiefs number two, and I want to say Bucks number three. So it's, it's it not a bad one. It didn't move quite as much as I thought it was going to after the, what they did on Saturday. Plus 500 is still really good return. And it could, if they do beat the Chiefs, that thing is going down to possibly negative odds. I, I think that Vegas is kind of waiting to see what they do. My uh, my second one that I have here, Francis Ngannou and Cyril Ghosn are fighting to unify the UFC heavyweight championship this weekend in their pay-per-view. Francis Ngannou is the plus 135 underdog. When you Anytime that you can get a guy that could punch. Now, I, I know what you're going to say. Cyril Ghosn is the toughest matchup for Francis Ngannou. Okay, this, this is a different Francis Ngannou than got beat by Derek Lewis and Stipe Miocic. He came back, avenged the Miocic loss twice. This guy can put a horse out with a punch. Cyril Gan is not that tough to not go out when, when Francis Ngannou connects, and he's going to connect. And he's not the easiest guy to take down. Francis Ngannou plus 135, a knockout artist like that, come on. He's going to knock the face off of Cyril Gan. Cyril Gan's head is going to be in the 15th row. You're running into a few factors here that you're missing out on. One, Zagano's last UFC fight. Possibly the last MMA fight ever. The guy said he's not fighting after this fight. He's come out and said this. Whether that's to be true or not, obviously people unretire all the time. So could be his last fight. UFC may not want that title to be vacant. Good, maybe swing it toward Gane. I mean, look, they want Gane to win because because is done with UFC and and he may not he may never fight again. Obviously, we got likes of uh, uh, Habib's new MMA company may go snatch him up in heartbeat. But still, like I, I 
like I, I, I like Ganu over him a lot. But at the same time, I think I think Gane has what it takes in terms of wrestling and and, and keeping Ngannou not in his distance and not getting hit. I, I look at his fights against Derek Lewis and look at his fights against um, 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 who's the who's the Colorado guy. Oh, I can't think of his name. Oh, Curse Blades. Like both those fights, he he stood up with and, and, and he he was able to take punches at the same time. Got to his wrestling. Gano gets on his back. It's over for him. So yeah. so that's that's where it gets interesting. I like I'm staying away from betting on that one. Though, I'll tell you that. Heavyweights are difficult, anyways. But uh, I don't know. I when Ngannou faced Curtis Blades, and I think Blades has better wrestling than Gan. Blades was like a three time All American wrestler. And he was not able to take Francis down. Francis beat it, beat the brakes off of him twice. I see this as a similar. I think Gone is a better fighter than Curtis Blades, but it's a very similar matchup to me. And I don't know. I, I would really, I would love to see Dana scramble after Nganu wins the belt and just leaves it in the octagon. He's like, oh, I'm done. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm going back to, to France. And uh, yeah, I'm he'd never call, talking. He'd be, he'd be calling John as soon as possible. He'd be like, hey, Ngannou, we'll give you John Jones. One more fight, one more fight, one more fight, one more fight. You bald bastard. I'm not fighting for you again. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you got for, for your second my, line? My next one, I'm going UFC as well. I'm going with the God of War. Davison Figueredo against Brandon Moreno. Brandon Moreno is a great fighter. Don't get me wrong. But a trilogy, it's a trilogy fight. And those odds are plus 152. I saw pictures of what God of War looked like. And my God, the dude, I think, the dude looks more cut than I've ever seen. And it looks like he's on a mission right now. And, and I, I like Figgy a lot over Moreno. Moreno's a damn good fighter. Don't get me wrong. He, he is a great story um being that mexican fighter he is like but i'm i, I like i like god of war here i think he's got all the tools i think I, when he won the belt i thought that he was it was going to be his division for 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 a couple of years and then moreno bursted on the scene but i'm i'm going with god of war to re, uh, get his belt back at plus 152 yeah davis and figueredo is a, is a Pitbull. He's the most ferocious fighter now at the 125 pound weight class. Moreno, I, I agree with you. Moreno's got the boxing, but Figueredo's got a more well-rounded MMA game. Figure Moreno definitely has that Mexican style dirty boxing, but he's got too much to look out for going up against Figueredo for the third time. And I agree with you. I, I think that he looks great in the. I think they updated his picture on the on the ESPN website because yikes, what, what he looks like right now, I. I'm too. I outweigh him by double and and then some. I would not fight that little bastard. No, no way. Uh, my last line that I have here, I think you'll appreciate this one. Du is plus nine hundred to win the NCAA hockey title. Fourth best odds behind Michigan, St. Cloud State, and Minnesota State Mankato. So, obviously, very good teams in in the top four. But Du is always solid, and I, I love seeing the Pioneers do well. So I'm gonna. I, I like that one. Du plus nine hundred. That's a big return. I, I wish I could have have more statistics behind whether that, that bet's going to hit or not. Although I know St. Cloud State is a really, really good hockey team. I know Michigan has been playing really, Michigan's really good. Dead. Michigan has a Michigan's couple first-round picks on their team right now. So, so if I were a betting favorite, I'm betting man, I probably would pick Michigan. But since we're a, we're a different podcast, I'll pick to you. I don't mind that. Damn mind with that. Michigan. Down Michigan. My, my last one. We got some tennis back, and there's some drama going on. So the Australian Open, Djokovic – did not get his visa passed. He got shipped out of the country or out of Australia. He cannot compete in the Aussie Open. So I'm going to go with Daniel Medvedev, the guy who 
I can't. Uh, I, I want to say one Wimbledon, or my, or it might have been uh, the U.S. Open. I can't remember which one it was. Um, to to win the Aussie Open by plus one forty five. Djokovic not being there hurts, but Medvedev. I'm pretty sure he he's German, or maybe that's very yeah. He's, he's a German one. I, I yeah. like him to win the Aussie Open plus one forty five. He is uh, of the pick'em. He's got. The set it was him and Djokovic have the the two highest uh, specific fan picks. Those are two people who watch tennis religiously. I'm sorry, I'm not one of them. Think that Medvedev, Med, yeah, Medvedev, Medvedev and Djokovic have the two best. Other than like they have four options, and the fourth option is any other player, so that's got the highest votes. But Djokovic and uh, Medvedev are back at 19 percent each. So. Uh, all right, let's bring on the the little guy. Hopefully, he doesn't get pissed off at me. But the uh, little the little guy is gonna piss you off this week. Oh boy! All right. Oh. <clears throat> oh man, the little guy is feeling feisty this week. He's he's taking no prisoners. He's taking no prisoners. He doesn't care that you're a Bengals fan. He doesn't come on my show and disrespect me. <laughs> he he doesn't. He does not give a damn. All right, Bula, what are we thinking this week? He's first, first one we're thinking about. We're thinking the Bills plus two and a half. Josh Allen, I wore Josh Allen's jersey last week, and nobody circles the goddamn wagons like Josh Allen, the Buffalo Bills. Down with the Chiefs. Go Bills plus two and a half. My next one we got. Well, another jersey that you've seen me wear. We're going with A-Rod. We're going against Jimmy's bet from earlier. We're going minus four and a half. Packers against the 49 because he's a bad man. A bad, bad man. Give me A-Rod, Packers, minus four and a half. And then the final one, although I'm wearing the jersey, I am not going to – I am just shy away from this cover, and we're going to take the under. We are taking under 47.5 Bengals, Titans at minus 105. There's a reason why we've hit two, two out of three, and that's why we make smart plays. He is, Bullet believes it will be a close game. He doesn't like the spread, but he likes the under because of the high running game from Tennessee and also the Joe Mixon factor for the Bengals. So give me Bills plus 2.5, minus 110. Packers minus four and a half, minus 115, or minus 118. And under 47 and a half, Bengals, Titans, minus 108. All together for plus 579. Not bad, Bula. Not bad picks this week. You know, Bula, something that I just thought about as I was watching you on the camera, you give Nico and I a run for our money with the biggest head on the show. Like, when you get up next to the camera, you – you, you got a dome piece on you. It does got a dome piece on, I'll tell you that. Oh, God. If the real Bulla ever finds us, we're probably going to be wanted by a oh, we're gaggle gonna be co- of, of we're Dagestani gonna be, midgets. We're, we're going to be copyrighted. We're going we're gonna, to uh, be paying fines. Oh. <laughs> we, we may be thrown in Russian prison. Like, who knows? Yeah, well, you got to find me to get me. And can you find me? Uh, that's, that's my question. Uh, Bulla, I, I think that you're smart. And uh, hopefully you miss that. Or actually, I don't even care if you miss the Bengals one. As long as they win, I'll take the under if they win. Uh, let's go ahead. We'll wrap things up here. Play and player of the week. Uh, I'll kick things off. My play of the week, Jermaine Pratt's interception that buried the 31 years of playoff disappointment in Cincinnati. Uh, honorable mention, Sam Hubbard for deflecting a pass off of his head. 
He was getting held by the offensive lineman with both of his hands, so he couldn't get his hands up, so he jumped. And there's – see Derek Carr throw it right over the top of his head. and It bounces, and it was a deflection. So that's my play of the week, Jermaine Pratt's interception. Hubbard's dome piece was a, a close second for me. Not, not bad. My play of the week, I'm going with the Emmanuel Sanders bomb. Beat the, beat the corner one-on-one, had the DT cleats on, had all of it going for him, did the mile-high salute, which was, which was even more icing on the cake, brought a tear to my eye. So mm-hmm. I, I said I am all over Emmanuel and all over Von Miller going after getting another Super Bowl because those two gave me one of the highlights of my life of Super Bowl 50. Um, and what he did, uh, like I said, the dude is, I want to say mid-30s now, maybe early 30s, and he is still beating people off the line, just whooping their ass outside with a great catch. And the mile-high salute, oh, man, tear to my eye. Yeah, good thing that the Broncos got rid of those two guys who couldn't play from their Super Bowl team, right? Emmanuel Sanders and Von Miller. Yeah, they didn't need to keep those two around because they, they couldn't they, produce anymore. They, they let Emmanuel, they, like I said, we did them right. We did them right. As much know, as much as much as our coaching sucks, and as much as our, our our everything else sucks, at least we've done we do our players the right way. Whether it be Peyton sending him out the right way, whether it be Emmanuel Sanders sending him to San Francisco where he had a shot at the Super Bowl run, or 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 now sending Vaughn to LA. One thing you know about the Denver Broncos, they fuck up they fuck up picking players, but when you do this franchise and this city right, they treat you the right way. All right, who do you have for player of the week? Who do you got? Player, player of the week, one of the funniest things to happen this week was the uh, Devin Booker fiasco in Toronto. If anyone doesn't know what I'm talking about, go go look at Devin Booker and Toronto Raptors mascot. <laughs> if you aren't aware, Toronto has no fans in the stands. Yeah. Well, Devin Booker was shooting free throws at the end of the game, and the Raptor mascot went behind the basket and started jumping around. <laughs> no one in the stadium. Just the mascot behind the basket, jumping around, losing his mind. Booker pointed him out and moved him over. <laughs> it was hilarious. He changed his avatar to, to or on Twitter to the Raptor mascot. He made a funny joke about it. He was laughing his ass off. It was great humor. Ever since that happened, Booker has averaged 37 points in three games. There's your player of the week. The dude has been on a tear. Booker, I guess, just needed to need a little piss off from uh, uh from, from the Raptors mascot, which was hilarious. Yeah, I uh, I saw the video, but I I didn't realize. I thought that they were <laughs> I thought that they were beefing, but then I remembered Toronto. It's Canada. They're too nice yeah. to beef. Um, my player of the week. I have Darcy Kemper. Bounce back after the loss to Nashville and put up a 20-save shutout on Arizona on uh, Saturday night, I believe. They lost or had the shootout win Friday and won 5-0 Saturday. Unfortunately, he did get injured today. Uh, I can't remember the guy's name for um, for Minnesota, but they, they just took a straight run. He's like, I can't beat Darcy Kemper, so I'm going to go ahead and knock him out of the game. Uh, and then get beat by Pavel Francis in a shootout. Um, that's just – All don't know. lie. Puck don't lie, as I say. Yeah, puck don't lie. So my player of the week is the Kemperer, Darcy Kemper, uh, goaltender for the Colorado Avalanche. That's going to bring us to the end of episode 74 of the Far End of the Bench podcast. Thank you guys for 
sitting and, and rocking with us. We had a lot of, of good stuff to talk about this week. Obviously, Bulla is riding high after hitting two out of his three parlays, so he had to come back, and he's throwing some shade. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Like we said at the beginning of this episode in the Center of Attention, if you haven't listened to my live reaction of the Bengals game that is available both on our podcast feed as well as on our YouTube channel, while you're at our YouTube channel, be sure to subscribe, ring the notification bell, leave a like and a comment. All that good stuff helps out our channel, helps us grow and get in front of more eyeballs. And uh, be sure to follow us on your favorite podcasting platforms, new episodes every Wednesday. Follow us on social media at Pod. That's been growing like crazy. So we appreciate everybody who's followed so far, become a bench warmer. And uh, we appreciate everybody who's gone back and forth with us. Now, sometimes you guys win, but a lot of times we, we end up shutting you down. But we do love all the interaction. And it's been a cool community that we've been growing over this year and a half of the Far End of the Bench podcast. So, Nico, it's, we're, I, I say we're going to get to the point where we slow down, but we're full guns blazing from mid-January all the way through to May. So we still got plenty, plenty more stuff coming up. Yeah, just because the football season is slowly winding down doesn't mean that we don't have the Olympics, we don't have the NHL, we don't have the NBA, we don't have – actually, we, 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 we won't have baseball, so that doesn't matter. But we have a lot – that's the offseason. Well, yeah, we have a lot of fun things planned, so it should be a fun fun rest, rest of the playoff season, no doubt. Our end of the bench is not slowing down. we still got other things in the works behind the scenes, so all of that will be coming out very soon but for now thank you everybody for listening to the four under the bench podcast for myself jimmy Pilato, my co-host nico bryant we will catch you guys next week peace this is the blues i'm playing yes it's a final thing when the night is cold and lonely this is a dollar bill was it the money that made me a savage? Popping them prices and I made it a habit. Towing them pistols and serving them addicts. That was exciting to me. I'm so excited to be.